As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. That's right, it is episode 314, and today we have a very special guest from the Unknown Podcast that's been, you know, defunct for a few years now, quite a few years, about 10, I'd say. It's been a while since yeah. we've been uh, We got Nick Bonaventura. Together. What's up, everyone? Hello, listeners. I'm Nick. Uh, A.K.A. The Starship. Uh, yes, you might know me from my uh, alternate personality, The Starship. And, uh, you know, performed uh, with Alex all years ago, actually, yeah. is doing, doing uh, some stuff with you with that. So I've known you for a very long time, and uh, it's such a pleasure to be here on this podcast. This is my first appearance, and I got to say, it's been so long you've been doing this show that I know. you had me on. I don't know, you know. I don't like you, to be give intrusive. The people, I, give I, the people what they want. I'm <laughs> Now I'm here, you know. <laughs> So about time, we, we, it's the return of the unknown. To give you guys the, an idea what Nick does, by the way, what he has done. Well, he's a video video producer or a... a um, yeah, I work in the, in the video and film industry as an editor. Right. And uh, I also, you know, do video art and I'm, you know, a musician, kind of creative. Yes. Uh, he does like uh, slam switch. poetry rap. Uh, if you were to slam it into Sci-fi, Star B-movie. Trek, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, sexual Star Trek kind of like I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> it's like slam poetry rap in Star Trek. People want to check it out. If they're interested. Uh, yeah. You can go to my YouTube page. It's the Starship Music yeah. uh, channel, and you can find some stuff on there. Uh, I've also done a lot of stuff going to conventions, uh, pop culture conventions, interviewing cosplayers as the Starship. So a lot of folks might know me from doing that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just, I actually, you know, uh, just did a show not uh, too long ago, the end of 2022. The so Starship might still have some new life in uh, in the music realm. We'll see how oh, things go. Okay. Uh, you know, but I also, you know, I think right now I've just been focusing on i'm writing a screenplay of my own you know i think that it's time to i've made some short films in the past but i really want to make a feature so it's and, your uh, come on the back tour come back tour. right yes come on the back tour you know it's, it's 2020s <laughs> now you know post post lockdown let's get creative and uh have a good time this is why i'm so happy to be here talking about movies because yeah. i'm such a big movie fan uh, I love films and makes me want to put my hat in the ring when I see a lot of the films that have come out in the last few years that are getting wider publicity and success. Um, things that just impress me going, man, you know, it's like with such a small team, a lot of indie creators, uh, you have a lot of writer director combos putting out oh, stuff yeah. that are unique and original. 
I think that's one of the big things I, I think I noticed. I, I see a lot of year. teams. Yeah, there's a lot of teams you know? now, like where there's two directors or they split the dev- duties and then one kind of is majority writer and one's majority right. director. It, it's just inspiring to see it, you know, essentially a new golden era with a lot of the streaming services and distribution options and the ability to get some films to audiences in ways that you wouldn't have done in the 90s oh, or yeah. in the 2000s, you know, so. And tell them what uh, we're going to be talking about today and don't yeah, tell and them what brings, you think about it. Yet. Right, of course not. Yeah, which brings me to why I'm here. And I think that this movie, I think really in a lot of ways, kind of symbol is a symbol for that type of work where you're going to be able to, you know, have a small crew. You're going to have, you know, a unique vision, director, writer vision, and still reach an audience without a lot of marketing and a lot of stuff. And we're talking about Terrifier 2, all right? Correct. Terrifier 2. Which we were uh, going to do both movies, but we thought it might be too much since we tend to go long in the conversation. And I we think that you can, you can kind of roughly sum it up. talk a little bit about it in, in the context of Terrifier 2, um, yeah. just because I think that there is, I mean, almost, almost honestly, it's the third film. Because sure. if you don't know the All Hallows' Eve I guess you'd say anthology, which has two different pieces that Art the Clown is in. So I guess it's, he was the B-roll, the the sort of like right. wraparound or whatever. And and in both the Ninth Circle and the original short film Terrifier, which are both pieces there, he's featured in that. And uh, so I could say you could say these are in the same universe as those. Right. And, and Terrifier one. Um, so he's yeah, had a long journey to get where he is evolution. today. Uh, yeah, Terrifier two. I think being a sequel, we might see even more to this franchise in years to come. So. Possibly. We're definitely worth uh, talking about, I think, too, because it seems to have such, uh, garnered such a uh, avid fan base. Oh, yeah. And, it's been one of the most talked about films kind of last year. Exceeded a lot of expectations as far as getting into theaters and getting to audiences, mostly through word of mouth and uh, just essentially reaching what I think is, for an indie film, it's an exceptional turn back on on profits is i think the movie had a, a budget of like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. that's fundraiser right yeah and it was there's but we'll a get into that don't get into that yet see i think nick you can tell uh there might be a slight bias here <laughs> oh, i'm giving away my uh yeah i think you've given your full hand Right, you're well, not, you're not drunkenly you holding the cards you know. the wrong way, maybe. Yeah, what is this that I have in my hand, actually, this right oh. here? Maybe we should, we should talk about that. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll get to that. Uh, he's talking about the drink for the horror shot that we got. Um, but, um, so what is, what's going on with you? Like, what are you doing? What do you, uh, you said you watched all my top 20 horror movies. Yeah. Uh, what been, are some of your uh, favorite horror movies so they can kind of get an idea about you? Sure. A little bit about me. I mean, yeah, I've starting the year off. I got the, uh, the big C. So I had a couple of weeks where I had the unique opportunity to catch up and watch a lot of films. Uh, I'm a big, huge horror fan, love sci-fi, love big weird sci-fi stuff. fan, actually, yeah. big sci-fi fan, love weird stuff specifically. I really like the outrageous and outlandish, uh, over the top, you know, movies that, you know, are incredibly, uh, creative, you know, or specifically like strange. I like a lot of, uh, uh, foreign films like your, uh, uh, machine girls, your Tokyo Gore police. Um, yeah. I love that. I love uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, or no, wait, what was it? Cronenberg, uh, Cronenberg film film fan. Um, 
What was know, the other one that so. uh, that's coming out on uh, 4K that we both had to get? Oh, Doctor Caligari. Yeah, Doctor Caligari of a just strange surrealist kind of uh, art film. Big into uh, yeah, I, I did go to art school and I can do consider myself an artist. And you know the more art artur style driven stuff really appeals to me as well so but he's not the um, nose up kind either guys like some of you guys no, out there I, I get down with trauma um i yeah. love trauma films you know there's something about those that are just the, the passion and heart that goes into making like a trauma movie and the people involved in the tight-knit groups that have to kind of overcome odds to successfully complete a film that's just so cool as a filmmaker myself you know i appreciate a lot of the technical sides of films like that so yeah like weird stuff like that trauma um funky forest uh i like <laughs> oh, uh you know classics i'm a big kubrick fan so the uh the shining is a big one for me sure um, you're talking classic horse and you said videodrome of course and videodrome of course is another yeah. one um i don't necessarily consider that horror do you like his crimes I, of I the future know. what did you say i love crimes of the future yeah i really enjoyed it i think okay. that it has um just a fantastic vision of the pleasure of the of the of the mutilated flesh in a way that Cronenberg has hinted at in the past that comes this into into fruition. I think uh, Viggo Mortensen's portrayal is so just phenomenal. The uh, all the scenes of the organs being taken out and the oh, careful unzipping uh, of the body. Oh, we we I, I don't yeah, want to spoil, spoil it. it. Okay, if you haven't seen Crimes of the Future, just go watch the movie. <laughs> I it's didn't. Get, I wasn't as fond of it as, as a lot of other people were, and I'm a big Cronenberg fan. So it kind of you know, it's not that I didn't like it. It's above average, clearly, but it's just I feel like it it would have hit harder if it would have been like 10, 15 years ago. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that there is a, like, if you're looking at, like, existence, just the, I don't know, the technology has just come so far. Yeah. In, just in the last 15 years. Yeah, there was know? a lot and, of CGI that they were using in the film, as well the, as practical. The practical. The practical effects and CG combo has now gotten to a place where I think that it's a lot more effective tool for, especially with Cronenberg style, the new, uh, cameras that are available, Aries and things like that, that are just, you can really do a lot with the color and kind of create a tone and sense, uh, really a uh, vibe, visual vibe that I think even on film was hard, harder to do. Um, you have so much flexibility in post-production colorizing, you know, scenes using these types of digital cameras. It's, and I think that you can really tell in crimes that the visual style of the film is super important to Cronenberg. Oh, oh yeah. The whole, He's aesthetic the whole, all the, the way. The whole look of it, the whole look of it and the, the coloring of the movie is, is beautiful and yeah, I think there's a lot of great things to, to like. Vigo was hurt in that movie. He had a broken leg or something. No, I didn't know. Yeah, he had uh, gone on a hike or something and broke his leg right before filming. So when he's like leaning down, like it, he's in a lot of pain. Like he was on a lot of medicine while he was doing that shit, I think. So pretty yeah, interesting. I mean, uh, I, I like, you know, the last few years, I think the, other film I really liked this year was The Sadness. Ah, uh, or last yes, year in twenty two The Sadness. Uh, that I think uh, is on a on another level. Did you like the, any uh, of the movies on my top twenty? Yeah, of course. That way, The Sadness is on there, right? Yeah, That's, of course. Uh, yeah, you you put it uh, seven or something. You put it at uh, I just happened seven to or eight. But it's pulled up. You put it at seven, just behind, uh, just two behind a wounded fawn. Which he did not like, apparently, because he's he's thrown. I, I mean, you know, I'm just saying that the sadness was uh, a phenomenal 
horror movie. It's completely different. It's just, it it's, redefines the plague genre, the contagion genre, I think, in a way that, you know, is brutal and bleak. Uh, see, it's not yeah. as original as I thought. I still love it. And I even thank the director online because I, I really love it. Um, but I, I, you know, I couldn't give it too high accolades because it did borrow from something else. It did that well, but I had to give it some critique on that. Yeah, you know? I mean, I don't know if it's worth docking enough points to put it behind a wounded I mean, we're fawn, talking about a fifth think, of a point or like, a, you know, the if you look at like every zombie zombie movie then is being derivative. <laughs> of the, no, of other, no, you no. Know, I think I think that it's not a zombie movie, obviously, I'm not, but I'm saying that if you're saying, oh, because it's coming from something like Crossed, maybe that's why it's not as original. But I, do I mean, think he admits it, which is fine in, in the film. And I think that it is still its own thing compared to something like Cross, the universe of Cross is its own mythology. And, and sure. I think that tonally you can make a lot of comparisons to it. But I think that the sadness has such a great vision, singular vision of this pursued. You're focusing on a single character. There's this obviously universal destroying thing happening, but the character that you're getting focused on, her journey through being chased by the specific predator fucking guy who's just so creepy the actor does such a good job in it oh yeah um, that really guy's a great villain you're going to be thinking about the movie i think long time after right where you know the only thing i think i might think about later about a wounded fawn would be the end credits for the dudes like fucking ah don't say i guess you know it's gonna be so difficult i gotta say man yeah you, you well know? we'll do our spoiler free first for, the, for terrifier okay. and then we'll get okay. into our spoiler sections you just got to remember not to say specifics and then keep it very sure. very very vague but you know we'll get it well, but i think listeners if you haven't wa- or if you haven't gone to see the list that we're talking about there is a podcast <laughs> from january that alex Cena did, and they talk about the top 20 here. So go check that out. Watch all those movies. Yes, very are, much. I would greatly appreciate uh, that honestly, because that's... Honestly, I... It should it be the biggest great, one of the year, really. <laughs> great journey watching watching them and seeing just the variety of types of films that are on the list. And it just goes to show you the state of horror as a genre and just the offshoots um, that are subgenres that oh, yeah. I think could potentially some might say aren't horror movies or they're adjacent horror adjacent that still have you know a great unique take on dude you know what's creepy or i, I try so scary, much to know. watch so many different types of horror there's there's genres subgenres that i was never fond of until this podcast that i forced myself to watch stuff and i found what i liked out of them like i didn't ever really get into vampires until i started finding vampire movies that I actually really liked <laughs> or werewolf movies. I never really cared that much other than like, you know, the big ones like dog soldiers or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. which are very horror adjacent because they're very actiony films, you know, yeah. like might as well be it's, it's, underworld it's, almost. It's tough with those. Yeah. You have something that's like almost a superhero movie, like your underworlds. And then you have like what I would consider like the end all be all is like American werewolf in London. How can yeah. you get better than that? So yeah, when you have these, reoccurring types of i would say horror uh antagonists your zombies your werewolves your vampires these are things that are universal and so they have a lot of impact with the audience but it's also it's hard to form new ground with them i think because we're so you know tied into a certain mythology that's kind of built into each of those that's what i was Um, thinking about with these new movies like skinamarink and the out and the outwaters like these are movies that are experimental sort of like 
as if you were, have you ever been to like an art exhibit where it's like, you're supposed to experience what it's like to give birth and an art exhibit. That's like, you give, I'm, I'm not well, like, sure. You know, there's these art exhibits where it's like a physical art exhibit. You walk into a building and then, and then like you go through these different experiences. They have different smells. They have different textures of things on the wall. You're supposed sure. to go through this, uh, you know, metamorphosis as a human being in the uh, illicit. Yeah, I've been to, it sounds you know, like the Exploratorium in San Francisco. The sure. Exploratorium there is kind I, of like That's that, what yeah. I kind of think of these, these kind of new movies and they do the same thing you know where you're kind of experiencing trying to do new experiences in horror uh the best way you can and sometimes they're just so wildly out out there that it just people were just like what the fuck <laughs> like what the fuck is this but then later well, on you're like hey you know that looks kind of cool these movies these types of movies you know they've always been around you know someone that really appreciates the weird and the bizarre you just had to go out and find them if you didn't know about them you know, through whatever channels, this is pre internet. It's you're not going to be able to find them unless you're going to like that one small art house cinema that might yeah. be in like a major city if you happen to live in these like three cities where it might be shown. And then, you know, now we have Shutter, we have Amazon, and uh, even HBO has been picking up some interesting lower budget stuff, you know, and especially something like Shutter where they need to keep putting new content out. So it gives a lot of opportunities, sure. and even Hulu has the power of the internet. Yeah, a lot of skin in the game for just horror right now is Hulu doing. I think a lot of indie uh, Hulu originals that wouldn't have necessarily gotten a large audience. Just that's what I love about Shutter is know. that, and a lot of people don't realize it is like you know, I, there's a lot of people coming to Shutter because it's just very popular right now, and a lot of people that are you know, and I'm not trying to put anybody down. Everybody comes in at their own rate and speed you know i was late to the game on a lot of different styles and subgenres of movies like italian horror i you know i didn't get it to experience until like i was like 16 17 or so you know what i mean and i didn't get to experience all those like wonderful films and so it was like a whole new world for me but i think a lot of people they you know kind of do the mainstream and until they have enough of that and then they go deeper and deeper and deeper and start digging and shutter is somewhere between the middle and the bottom on that kind of stuff because they're always churning out new indies and they're always like uh, remembering the classics you know and and showing you new classics that you never knew existed because there's just a swath so whoever the fuck is picking their shit i think they do a great job but you know, there are some mainstream fans that just want more mainstream movies on there. And I think it would ruin. Well, I think that Hollywood has really failed horror fans in a way right. that, you know, just you're not getting these big budget quality horror movies investment in the genre. And I think it's because now if you're going to it seems like the decision making is if you're going to put something in the theaters, it better be a Marvel movies epic blockbuster that's going to make a billion dollars. Right. And it's really pushed out a lot of the smaller films that used to still get a good pick, pick up from a national distribution, your new line cinema type level or horror movies that do have a large budget, but just aren't room for that in theaters anymore. It seems like. You know? Well, so and got- that's the thing is ever since the big C happened, we have changed things around. And I mentioned this in my Skinamarink uh, review, which you guys should be checking out that and the Outwaters, because if you like either of those movies, you'll like maybe one or the other. But I was talking about how the theaters got opened it up for smaller films now. And because we didn't have all the money in the world to do all these big budget movies all the time. So we had to go smaller, more condensed, more smaller stories, more independent style. And the mainstream started copying the independent scene. And so now we're seeing 
movies like we're going to be talking about today, Terrifier 2, and like Skinamarink, which never would have seen in the theater as many fucking, it has more theaters than Paranormal Activity had its first two weeks. You know what I mean? But they had like a a bigger structure. It was like, okay, so we're going to play it here at a couple of colleges, you know, paranormal activity. And then we're going to see how it does there. And if it does well, then we'll go to a more and more and more and more. And it just kind of took over. So, but yeah, they were going to do that model. And they just said, skin and marine, do it. Not not everybody likes the movie. And that's what I talk about in that review, which you guys should watch. So I don't want to. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to see the movie yet. It did did just play here at the music box. And uh yeah, I, I will check the movie out. It seems like more of an art house film, which sure. does appeal to me. You know, it's not, uh, those are, they can still be hit or miss with me, but I'll give anything a chance. You know, this is why I went and did watch the whole list of 20. And, you know, there's, I think I like to be able to find something of value in, you know, almost anything that I'm going to watch. And so I think it's, you have to know the movie you're watching. What did and, you think was like the biggest gem you found on that list for you? I'm just curious. Um... Of the films that I had not previously seen, because there was a good chunk of them that I did I did see already. Sure. Um, I think that Dashcam was a standout. I okay. Think that, so you like that. I, you weren't against I, it. I, I did. Uh, no, I thought that technically it succeeded in... Yeah, I don't really like found footage really as a genre typically. Oh, okay. And I think that Dashcam still had a lot of... Uh, some good technical things about it. I, I I I love the way that it's edited. I think that it's done well. The live stream element aside, I think that the general like one thing I don't usually like it's just other so it's shaky cam, but it is pretty forgiving. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're but it's able realistic, to do a lot. right? Because there's right. so well, much going on. On the technical side, you're able to do a lot with lower budget cameras. You know, don't need to necessarily be the greatest. It's pretty forgiving with effects. It's a lot easier to kind of uh, build kind of more of a of an energy because you have people running and you know what I mean it's all first person kind of and yeah there's a lot of you can do a lot with that and in that element of it was really well done and so and I think the story itself you know was an, was interesting enough to kind of keep you guessing I did like the fact that it had way more uh, different like uh, locations than I was expecting going into it like they and now they're in the weird carnival and now they're you know what I mean? There, there's yeah. a, and so I was impressed with some of the places that it went. I thought it was and hilarious then, too. That's and the, then the ending, and then the ending, of course, I think was it was more bizarre. interesting than I expected. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I I thought it was hilarious too. But yeah, just on the like, horror, a lot of people are really movie. upset with that character. And I can understand. I yeah. guess I can understand that, you know. But I, I or do, her and in I did, general. You know? And I didn't realize until after I saw it that it right. was really uh, this is an actual person. I um, mean, this is like <laughs> what she just really is. But hey, you know, if you can. You know, come up with rap lyrics on the fly like that. It's pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it reminds me. You gotta admit that's a talent. Yeah, you know? like it kind of reminds me when I'm like drunk or something, you know, or I have right. been, you know. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I I just think in the technical side of it, for a found footage film, it does a good job. The one thing I didn't like about it is that I don't know, and it, with a movie like that, it's either you explain it or you don't. But the technical side of how the dash cam and her iPhone. Where it'd be switching back and forth in the same live stream. And you know what I mean? That sure, yeah. it's, it's never explained. Now, I will say for what I think is probably the movie that I like the least out of the 20 films on your list, which was Deadstream, which at least ah. that film went out of its way to really go overboard and explaining the technical side of how this live stream is happening with his iPad. I thought it was super cameras. creative. I loved and, it. And I got a wristband that switches between the cameras. And right. you know what I mean? Like that. 
that's the only thing that I think that Deadstream really did well or better than what, what it did better than Dashcam. Everything else, Deadstream, in my mind, is like it wants to be Grave Encounters. It wants to be, you know, like I, I just thought the guy was really annoying. I didn't. Well, like yeah, it took me about 30 minutes to 40 minutes to really yeah. get the vibe of it. And then I was like, OK, and, I get it. And to, to me, it's it's pretty forgettable. If you're going to talk about which one of those out of those two are you going to be talking about in a few years, I think even though the whole kind of background of it being during the pandemic is kind of just like maybe we'll date it in a certain way, but maybe sure. we'll feel nostalgia for that. And I think that could maybe bring it attention back to it in a few years. But yeah, I think I just think they're going to be coming out with some new stuff in the future yeah. and what they did with as little as they had is yeah. pretty and I, genius. And, I, and it's, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, there's, they're very similar conceptually, those two films. And so if you're going to have one, I know one was much lower on the list of 20 films, but what I noticed wasn't on your list of 20 films. Ah, all right. We don't need to go there just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I think it might be that time. What time is it? Right. Horse shots. All right, so Nick and I sat and thought very hard about what we were going to pick for our drinks today, and I told him pretty much what I thought we should call it, and then Nick and <laughs> his friend actually came up with a really good idea. What it, we're, well, first well, of all, let's well, explain this what it is. This isn't even what she said, Capri, and this is a totally different drink, so let's just say that we, we came up. We had to come up with what we had because we only had so much time, and I didn't have a vehicle, so let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> we came up with a tasty treat for all of you. It's going to be a good. Very, very tasty drink. This one is called a messy, messy bedroom. Messy bedroom. And why is and it called a messy bedroom? Because there is a scene. To, uh, Terrifier 2. Yeah, there's a scene in Terrifier 2 that is probably one of the most epic fucking murder scenes I've if ever you know, seen you know. in a movie. Like, if you know, you know uh, what scene we're talking about. The bedroom yeah. scene, which we can for talk Allie. about in detail in, uh, later. For uh, Allie's death, the messy bedroom. Uh, yeah, the ingredients of the drink are yeah. it's gin and the blackberry lemonade mm -hmm. and then a dash of blood drip wow. over ice. However much you want to put in there. Well, no, the, the half and half with gin and uh, the lemonade, blackberry lemonade, half and half, and then with an ice cube and then a, and just a drip <laughs> of blood, grenadine. Allie's blood. Allie's blood drip. <laughs> Just a drip yes. of Allie's blood and a drip of Mama's surprise. <laughs> and I think you'll find it to be a nice, tasty little uh, beverage. That well, we're going to try it right now because I'm going to... leave gonna... you smiling like certain... Nick's drinking a whole now. fucking cup. I've got yeah. a goddamn shot of it. Yeah, you turn the shot. I turned it into more of a mixed drink, so... Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I ate gin, though. I couldn't do yeah. it, man. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I even I'm put more, more gin than I was supposed to put because... Yeah. Fuck it. Cheers. Cheers. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not too too bad, but pine needles it's always... It's sweet. It's sweet. Mine was stronger. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think that uh, gin, yeah, gin has a particular taste, but hopefully the folks at home will enjoy this one. Yes. Uh, All you have to do to is ready. go to actual website that we have, which is the... If you want to make a messy bedroom yourself, all you have to do is grab a knife and some scissors, scalp a human being, and uh, <laughs> no, make sure uh, to bring your salt <laughs> and bleach. Lots of salt and bleach. 
Uh, <laughs> we should have added those ingredients in the drink, you know? Would have been a short podcast. I was podcast, thinking about it. I don't, yeah, you could do like a salt rim. On you could drink. do a salt you rim. Really there you go. To... We'll add that yeah. in, guys. Just put a salt yeah. rim on the top. A little salt rim on the top. Yeah, it's a bleach and salt rim top. Yeah, <laughs> Leave the bleach. We can't recommend it. <laughs> well, kids aren't making these. They can't make that shit. I don't recommend adults to do it either. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you guys would like to try a messy bedroom, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shots section now. That's it for horror shots. Horror right. shots. So now we're going to jump into our flesh and potatoes of Terrifier 2 from 2022. And oh, so much flesh it is. Yeah, so many flesh and potatoes <laughs> and bleach and salt and everything else and everything nice. <laughs> But we're going to go ahead and do that right now. Okay, so I'm going to go over some of the information and everything um, about the movie, who was in it, etc. I won't spend too much time on this because I know Nick and I are going to go back and forth here on this <laughs> for a little bit. So Terrifier 2 came out last year. It was, we already talked about, crowdfunded, partially. After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to the timid town of Miles County where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night. Tagline, who's laughing now? <laughs> uh, that's so borrowing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> this movie is made by director and writer Damien Leone. And this is his baby. As we mentioned, he had started it with the All Hallows Eve, of course, which led into Terrifier. He even had a, a short film based on Terrifier and everything else. Some of the cast and crew are Lauren Lavera, who is Sienna. She's the Sienna. girl with the wings. Sienna. But uh, she actually is the main sort of, I guess you could say, final girl. She was in yeah, Iron Fist, A Taste of Christmas, and a few things that I haven't really heard of, but she's relatively newer. We got Jenna Cannell, who is playing the part of Tara Hayes. She was in Renfield, the new movie coming out about uh, Nick Cage as a vampire, by the way. Uh she was in, she did some TED Talks, The Wild Man, Tales, and more. We also have the one and the only guy who's playing Art the Clown, David Howard Thornton, who has basically turned this character into a success, essentially, with the help of Damien Leone. He was in the all of the original ones, pretty much. He even did some, uh, an orderly on Gotham, apparently. I didn't know that. But he also did the mean one, which is the green, the Grinch movie that they did recently and uh, many more. Um, He's excellent. Yeah, there's a lot of cast in here. Um, some of them are just picked off pretty quick. So I'll just go through their names real quick. We got Kaylee Hyman, who is Brooke and Samantha Scaffody, who is Victoria Hayes. We also Who's have Catherine one. Yeah. How about that? Catherine. Both uh, Samantha Scaffadini is from Terrifier one. That character. Oh, yes, Victoria. yes, yes. And Catherine Cocoran, who is so Dawn. Also from Terrifier 1. We got uh, Felissa Rose, who does a like a, a bit piece in there. We got uh, Chris Jericho, who's in there. I think he was one of the orderlies in the beginning, uh, or one of the earlier ones. And we also have the brother, who is Elliot Fullman, who plays Jonathan, the brother. And the mom, Katie McGuire, who plays Monica Brown. And then Allie, we'll say, 
who play who is played by Casey Hartnett. The mom is Sarah Voigt. Did I say that wrong? And the mom, it was Sarah Voigt. Terrifier 2 had a budget of 250000 which we kind of mentioned. That's and not a lot of money. It's not, but it made a lot of money. It made about $14.7 million at the box office, which that's is... like a 60X. A lot of money. That's a very... That's a for huge what success. You put in and yeah. very little marketing, from what I understand. Uh, I heard that uh, they didn't have a financial marketing budget social um, media really have have any that it was all word of mouth yeah so the fact that it did get picked up in so many theaters um shows how big of the fan response was for yeah sure. i think it was uh, some of the festivals like fright fest and stuff like that that really kind of boosted it and uh you know the fans are just yeah huge. i mean obviously terrifier the first one and all hallows eve so people were aware of it they were expecting it it was long it was really long awaited yeah um kind of sequel that was highly anticipated. So I think that's a big part of it. But if it wasn't, I think, a success, it wouldn't have gotten into the five, the more as many theaters as it, as it was eventually in. A thousand theaters, I think, yeah. it showed in. For, and for that type of film, especially with the uh, level of extreme content, I should say, <laughs> if you haven't seen the film yet, if you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, this in is the one theater, that parents are probably like, rare. holy shit, what did I take my kid to? Yeah, it's, a pretty, it's pretty rare to have that type of film get such a wide release. Yeah, and what we're going to do right now is instead of talk about our feelings on Terrifier 2, we're going to give a quick, just couple minute thoughts of what the first film was like for us and our first experience. I can go first just to kind of give you an idea nick uh but essentially when i first watched the the very first one i was already a fan of all hallows eve the shorts were not the best thing you know like i i really loved the whole tape machine the vhs the all hallows eve thing was really cool and dark and like really disturbing feeling it's just there was an air about it that was very raw when terrifier came out it had a little bit of a clean polish to it that uh i wasn't as into I think um, the, it didn't feel as like developed as were, you know, as it might be now. Uh, I did think there were some funny parts in it. Some of the acting and the story was a little loosey goosey and it got a little silly, um, which is fine because that's kind of part of the character. But I, I think we, we saw a good ground layer that could be built upon. It just wasn't my particular favorite thing. I was kind of like a little over average with it in when I first saw it. So what about you? The first yeah, Terrifier we're talking about, by the way, guys. Yeah, ter Terrifier 1, um, I had not seen All Hallows' Eve. And so I know when Terrifier came out, I did wait a little. I didn't see it immediately. But when I did finally watch it, um, I was not super impressed with the movie. I felt like it was a pretty typical slasher. There wasn't, like, you could tell, obviously, that it would have been a more of an indie film. It had more of a modest budget. But I didn't think it really took a lot of creative risks. It didn't seem to have... A variety of locations it seemed pretty like a small film really self-contained um which can be a good thing but not a whole lot of story um or mythology the kind of performance i think even for art the clown sure. just wasn't even the quite editing what I was a little a little i uh i'm just a huge fan of clowns clowns are like my people right <laughs> if, I, if, if there was like a D, &D class or or, or D, D race that was clown that would be what i am and so I have a little bit maybe a higher expectation than some than the average viewer when it comes to material where you have a clown, especially a sadistic, murdering, psychopathic clown right. that, uh, you know, that is I, an ICP. There's, there's certain things, right? There's certain things that I would want out of a film like that. And it just didn't deliver. And I, I you know, I, I didn't feel like it was worth like revisiting. It really 
seemed or rush like, out to get or own or rush out to get necessarily. But um, it was some just seemed like an average slasher throwback that you know was fun, but not something to really stand the test of time. I should say. Yeah. So, and we have very similar origin stories in the Leone CU. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel character universe, whatever, whatever, Leone character universe. Uh, <laughs> so, which is interesting because in Terrifier 2, now we'll get into that and we'll do our spoiler free on this and what we sure. think about that. You want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, well, maybe since I was just saying mine, I'll continue and then you can go after that. Yeah, whatever. So, so, yeah, I mean, then I really didn't seek out right away to see Terrifier 2 and I missed the opportunity to see it in the theater because I just, Terrifier 1 really didn't do it for me. So when I saw the sequel was out, I didn't rush out to see it. Maybe a month later that I ended up watching it Okay. and it blew me away. I just feel like it fixed so many of the issues that I had with the first one. The performance by David Howard Thornton as mm -hmm. art has evolved in such a way that I know that the development of that character when I've read David Howard Thornton and Damien Leone really worked a lot together, but David Howard Thornton really did a lot of work to write a lot of that and even come up with kills alongside of um, Leone and develop that character in a way that you can really tell it's evolved so much. He's such a joy to watch on screen compared to the first one where I just feel like he was so, there were so many missed opportunities. And the second one, Terrifier 2 delivers in spades for a clown aficionado like myself. Uh, the story, I think, is more thought out and complete. It develops mythology that was much lacking in the first one. Um, what the, about the acting? What, like, what did the you acting, think of I, th I think the acting was fantastic. I think from the very beginning of this movie, the tone is set. Mm -hmm. You understand the type of movie that it is, and you realize that the this is a horror movie that knows it's a horror movie. And when you're watching it, you know you're watching a horror movie. And I can <laughs> okay. say there's not a lot of movies that you can say that for in the last few that years. Self-aware. Not necessarily self-aware, but just look at the movies that are on your top 20. There's a lot of movies that they're not bad movies, but when you're watching those movies, you, you're going to go in your mind at some point, am I even watching a horror movie right now? I can I guarantee you. That. I can guarantee you with Terrifier 2. You're never going to ask, am I watching a horror Yeah, but that's movie? just because of and the gore. And it knows gore. itself aware. That's just the it's Not gore. just because of the gore. It's not just because of the gore. It's the homages to past films in the genre that it has. It's okay, the right. tone that it sets. It's the, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's not like the curse. It's like overly dramatic and overly, you know, uh, tonally, you know, something that's like super serious. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not slapstick, like, oh, this is ridiculous, like, you know, Deadstream or something, but it does have a comedic element to it. And if you're a horror fan, it delivers so much. It's like, it's like the, like Art the Clown and Damien Leone are winking at you saying, we know, you know, you're, that you're, you love horror. We know that you're going to get the inside jokes that we're putting out here. We know that you're going to understand the homages, the tonal references, the acting, why the mother is written the way she is. It's so many different homages, especially to films like A Nightmare on Elm Street, okay, Halloween. Yeah. The mom, I was going to say, yeah. There's a lot of that. And so, yeah, I think that the acting is right. She is really heavy on that button, though, I'll tell you. And and I, I tell you that I think Laura um, Levine, Laura Levine as uh, uh, Sienna is absolutely phenomenal. She has such a great screen presence. She did a lot of her own stunts from what I read. She has a martial arts background. There's some behind-the-scene footage you can find uh, online 
you can find it on YouTube. And like her in the dunk tank, she's like all the stunts that she did herself. She really committed the role. I think she killed it. And the the final girl in the history of cinema and, and horror is such an important piece and function within your classic good versus evil hero and villain archetypes. And we just haven't had a final girl in a couple decades. It's really even worth talking about. And okay. I think that that she just did such a phenomenal job. She's a true scream queen. And you can talk about the, the experience she had. She was like in a Christmas movie and you know what I mean? Like very little, I don't think this might've been her first horror film. And I think that she just nails the screen, scream queen, final girl, heroine archetype so perfectly. Um, and she's a joy to watch when she's on the screen too. So between the two of them, um, the main actors in this, I think they really sell it. Um, I do think that they're, you know, it, I think one of the things I've heard you talking about in the past too is how did they spend the money they spend it wisely? And if they're going to hire some more well-known, world, more experienced actors potentially that you think have done a better job, I don't know. But like, I think that they spent the money wisely from the money sure. that they had. And I think that you've got to kind of look at these, you know, I, I think they fit the tone the acting fits the tone of the film that they're in. And it's not Deadpool where it's breaking the fourth wall like that, but there is an element in this movie that like the way that Art the Clown is interacting with his victims. Sure, it's very wink it's, and a nod a little. It is, you know, and you know that you're going to be watching the type of, this type of movie. And yeah, between the opening sequence, just setting the tone of the film, um, throughout the entire film, I think you have just beautiful setup after beautiful setup, the dream sequences, uh, phenomenal. All of the kills are memorable and distinct. Um, every single kill, I think, has some technical, uh, masterful uh, uh, prosthetics and practical effects. Um, really got to appreciate the lengths that they went, specifically with the infamous bedroom scene, uh, <laughs> in order to achieve what they did in that scene. From a technical standpoint, is just an achievement. I think that when you're looking at some of the details in just the uh, the sets. And you can tell that they really cared. And this team with a team of this few people trying to make a movie, it's just, yeah, it's, I think it, it's going to resonate in my mind. It's, you know, going to be something that we'll talk about in years to come. Okay. Sure. What would you give it a score of? Uh, to me, I think it's a 9.5. It's hard Whoa. to give anything a 10, but it's absolutely a 9.5. Between a 9. Right. Well, if it's directly for you, then that's a 10, buddy. Yeah. That's, that's one well, you'll always yeah, watch I mean, again. To me, to me, this is a once in a generation okay. movie. So it probably could be a 10 for you. It could, it could be, but like I said, I, you know, it's, it, I don't think I, I've ever given anything that high of a score. 10 is, is right. A lot, you, it yeah. should be very rare. That's the way I feel. Yeah. Ones and 10 mm -hmm. should always be the rarest. But yeah, to me, that's, uh, I, I, I loved it. There was so much to enjoy in the movie. I found it highly entertaining. I've watched it several times since my initial viewing. It won me over where the first one I just felt was kind of a dud and it makes me, excited for what i think might happen uh in potential sequels and follow-ups because they obviously up the ante damien leone has written this uh phenomenal uh cult classic horror movie uh, i think that it's got so much potential for things like people doing cosplay of it and doing <laughs> drinking games with it and watching it as a group it's a fun movie i think that it'll stand the test of time and uh we haven't had a horror villain as memorable as Art the Clown in at least 20 years. I mean, what do we got? Jeepers Creepers and Ghostface. We're talking about the originals, Michael Myers, Freddy, Jason Voorhees, throw Chucky in there and, and Pinhead. But there hasn't really been an icon 
in the horror genre to stand out. Well, and I have thoughts about that when it comes to slashers, because I feel like a lot of slasher fans have been so willing to overlook certain things in the past just to make another slasher, you know what I mean, pop out. I mean, this is probably the closest it's ever been, honestly, other than Hatchet. You know, yeah, Hatchet, I mean? Hatchet got a lot of buzz, but I don't think that Hatchet has a memorable villain. I think that it's... Yeah, this I, is a I little think, bit more... This is on that speed. Yeah, yeah, and it's not... It doesn't have that... It's just this movie is so ambitious. Sure. And when you think about just the number of, you know, setups and locations and, and how little of a budget this movie really had... I think that it, it's a phenomenal achievement technically, and the fact that it does have uh, such a strong, I think, fan following now just shows you how effective it is mm-hmm. and, how fun it, and how fun it is to watch. Well, just uh, so I'll give my thoughts now, but I, just before you do, I can because I can see it on your face. The semen is all over. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I do love the movie. I, I will be clear about that. I'm and just that's teasing. one of the reasons why I'm here. So, but no, what, what, I, was your, what were what I'm was happy your for you. I'm glad that you funny. enjoyed it that much. I might not be as charitable as Nick here, guys, but I did have a, a better experience my second time watching it. Okay, so uh, whereas I was kind of eh, you know okay with it, but I I honestly did have a much better experience like almost a point more like you know experience and i don't know what, what it is sometimes you gave it initially sometimes when you're watching horror movies and you're watching so many you get in a groove that you kind of prefer and you aren't necessarily in the mood for a certain style and so you kind of have to watch it again i think to to really get shake that kind of uh you know residual feeling i guess and this was one of those things. Now, I didn't get to go see it in the theater. I wanted to go see it, but it was just a, there was a lot going on. I think we didn't have the money and there was sickness and family and all this other shit going on. So I just wasn't able to make it. I don't remember exactly why, but I planned on seeing it again and I ended up watching it with you. So that was when you came out for the holiday visit for Christmas. And we uh, see it together. And yeah, I, we and watched I, it together because he insisted that I watch it with him. And I don't him. know if my, I do apologize, is I think my excitement for the film might have colored your initial viewing of it in a negative way. Because well, I didn't want to be biased hype. at all. And, you know, I'll be, right. I, you know, I'm obviously, yeah. you know, we don't always agree on everything. That's for sure. Well, we but. very much disagree on a lot <laughs> about movies. Yeah, this is and, true. So I personally think that this is a much better film than the first one. Like it, it is definitely well on board with me wanting to watch this one again. Like the first one, like, you know, I may watch it again just for shits and giggles. But to me, it's kind of like, you know, I appreciate and respect the Friday the 13th franchise, but I'm more of a Jason fan, you know, so I'm more of the art, the clown fan. And I feel like he is better established in the second one than he is in the first one, honestly. And I think for those who are willing to start the franchise, yeah, maybe you might want to watch it or just jump right into the second one. Like, honestly, like for me, I feel like it's fine, but it doesn't really explain a lot from where he came from. And you can tell that this movie is kind of an in-between movie. There's definitely going to be a trilogy, you know, because we can, you can just sense it. There's so many elements in this movie that they added in here that really kind of add to the movie's interest, which I like. It's shot better, I think, in this one. The lighting is a little bit better. Um, it doesn't look as like, I don't know how to explain it, soap opery kind of like the first one kind of did. Um, I think the set designs on this one were way better, like 10 times better. Like they had a lot more money. 
they had built a sort of uh, lore about Art the Clown. Uh, they they kind of go back in in his history and kind of touch upon things that I it feels like we're going to touch upon later on in a third or maybe fourth one even. You know, because there's some like mystery going on there, which is all good things. Art the Clown himself, you know, he, the actor is just fantastic in this one. I laughed out loud the second time even more, like uh, all of his parts, uh, where I was kind of just kind of taking it in and just maybe over-examining it the first time. Uh, I think the second time I kind of released that those cuffs, you know, like and just like went with it. And yeah, I love the intro of this movie. I love all the scenes that he's in and stuff. There was the thing that I am not a huge fan of. I'm you know, I'm not saying that anybody's a bad actor or anything like that here. Like it's all suitable. It's all works. You know what I mean? It is you're going to be on a lower level of acting, but not to the point where you can't watch it or something. You know, it's like totally watchable and upon second watching i actually felt way more tolerable than i thought of the film the first time again things changed for me i don't know why it just maybe i was in the better mood for it maybe i'd seen too many higher tier fucking movies and i just was in that groove but i didn't think the acting was fantastic i think the writing is better than the first one in this one but it does kind of feel a little disjointed it feels like a lot of the gore scenes which there are plenty and they are amazing i love every single one of them um i they do kind of feel just kind of placed in there and the through story is kind of like, eh, let's get that out of the way. I wasn't really into the little brother. The mom was kind of overdoing it. I'm sure she was told to be that way and written that way, but it was just a little too much for me. I totally get the whole, you know, possible Nightmare on Elm Street mom, you know, drunken woman, like, you know, kind of attitude thing that she had with her family. But it was kind of it just felt like it didn't fit. And sometimes like sometimes she's like super sweet and sometimes she's not. And I just felt but like she yells was, through most of the movie. Yeah, but there's like moments where she's there, like when she's there's going, a great heartfelt moment on the phone. I don't know if that's, if that's a spoiler <laughs> yeah, okay, or not. Okay, but, but that was like the yeah. only time that I felt but that. But there's a reason for it. And then the next next thing that happens is now you actually are like, oh, I care about this character now that she's not completely <laughs> horrible. And then what happens? Yeah, I know. Of course. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't spoil it. But I think yeah. you just gave it away. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I absolutely love the gore in this film. And something I look for when it comes to gore films in general, if I'm just looking at this as a gore film, which it is not, there is more to it. Um, I think there's performances in here that are good, too. It's not just, you know, hey, the gore is the only thing holding it up. It's it's not everything else isn't my favorite thing, but the, the gore is definitely one of my favorites. And his performance is one of my favorites. They really mix it up with the, the different types of killing in this. And my God, that bedroom scene is probably one of the gnarliest fucking goddamn fucking scenes. It just keeps going. And it's like it's like he's making a balloon animal out of a human being. And it's just fucking like I, I fucking it's so love incredibly it. Way it's orchestrated. I was laughing. Pull it off. Sickly, yeah, it's, it's, sickly it's so funny. laughing at There's the so whole much, fucking thing. So many great things about that scene. And yeah, I mean, the performance. Don't say what of, it is. Yeah. Don't say what it is. There's so many great things you can appreciate about every one of the kills, I think. Right. I do, I do too. Yeah, that's the standout. Where I, when I came back on a second viewing, I definitely saw that the kills that I weren't as into or memorable, I guess, they were still different. Like, there's, like, scenes that you, you know, like, you guys know when you watch these horror movies and you see these, like, gore scenes, there's always, like, a sort of tropey kind of way that they go about doing the gore, Right. These movies lay it up like it's going to be tropey, 
but then do something completely different and then surprise the hell out of you, which for me as a gore hound, I absolutely love. And it, it just, it makes it that much better. Uh, some of the makeup, um, there is mild, like tiny little discrepancies. There, there is nothing I really would argue about in the gore department at all. I think it was fantastic. <laughs> I'm fucking, the, and, and his humor that goes through uh, all of that, I thought was a little much the first time, but again, here I was cackling like a fucking mad idiot. I feel like this movie in particular, though, does kind of wind down towards the end as far as the gore goes and the sort of tone that we were going for because the, the coup d'etat or what, what is it called? The, the grand finale feels like the bedroom piece. And then the end of the movie is kind of a little anticlimactic. Um, so... And they really do kind of push heavy on the like party scene and it kind of goes on and on. They have some of this mythology stuff going on that I didn't really fully grasp. The The little brother, you know, he's a kid. I'm not going to be a douche about it here and say he's a fucking bad actor or something. But it just didn't feel very, it didn't feel right. I feel like some of the characters should have died and that, that didn't. And, <laughs> and there's a lot of death in this, so that's kind of funny. Uh <laughs> But yeah, overall, I think my my uh, my opinion of this movie definitely went up upon watching it uh, about two and a half times because I, I rewatched some of it today just to kind of solidify my thoughts on it. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good time. It's, it's not where I think it's going. I think this is the start of it. I think the next one's going to blow it out of the water. I think it's that's when it's all going to come to fruition. And then we're going to see a huge franchise from it. And either it's going to go up or down and we'll see how yeah, it goes. I don't know about that. I think that he's got a vision for at least one more, possibly two films, because I think that the one thing that Terrifier 2 has that works against it is its two hour and 20 minute runtime. I feel like every minute of that is earned. But yeah, it's see a how, little long for me. I can see how some folks are going to say that it's too long. Um, but so I think that story-wise and I think pacing-wise, what's there and the way it's edited makes sense. Could it have been done into different films, this one? Possibly. Or it's really long. But I think that the rest of the story and things that he wants to explain and go yeah, these are about art... It breadcrumbs to, to something bigger. Yeah. Because, because I think that you're going to have... Maybe four, three and four be hour and a half, 90 minute films. That way it's not as um, trying to cram too much story into right. one. There's movie. a lot of additions um, in this film that probably pushed it past the point, but I feel like it could have been trimmed back a little bit. But it was yeah. nice additions, and I think that they, they really do kind of well, add to I, it. I don't mean, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader, but I kind of feel like this was they wanted to go big. Damon Leone saw this as potentially, you know, if Terrifier 2 isn't a success, there probably isn't going to be a three or four. So let's make it long, get the story in there, do it the way we want. In hindsight, going, okay, you know, we're going to get a three and four. But, and is it going to be a franchise? I don't know. I mean, I think that it's going to have an audience for it, for sure, especially after this one. Um, hopefully, the story that he wants to tell, when that's over, it basically doesn't get exploited to just keep pushing out films. That sure. I think that you would have said about some of the later Nightmare on Elm Streets or especially your Friday the 13th and your Halloweens, particularly how many of these, you know, franchise uh, legacy films uh, can keep coming out. 
I don't know. Even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think that... Well, yeah, I definitely I mean, think he's going to get more money. That's what I want to see. I want to see what he can do with millions, you know? Oh, sure. That's yeah. where I think is really... I feel like... It's not that the art clown needs that, you know? Like, I'm not... I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I'm just curious about it. Because if we're really going to test it to something like Freddy, Michael, Jason, all the big ones, right? We really want to see what, it, what, what, what he can do with that kind of money and does... Do they because I feel well, like this next one is going to be like we're going to talk about like two million dollars. They're like, hey, we're going to. Sure. I think it's specific, uh, particularly unique as well that the franchise, quote unquote, is still in the hands of the auteur, the writer director from the inception. You can basically tell that the whole devotion to creating this film is just such a labor of of love and creativity. And that if the same person is going to be at the helm two or three sequels in. Because even Wes Craven wasn't involved really in any of the sequels creatively as much. And your Friday the 13th films especially, they don't have that creative vision that I think that Terrifier 2, or ter the Terrifier franchise will be able to have just because, hey, you know, this is still Damien Leone creating these stories and and evolving this well and he may not even do terrifier 3 next because there's been word on the street that him and sam raimi are working together yeah i think that if that comes out before terrifier 3 that's a possibility it still seems like that's in early stages but how phenomenal of a team up is that going to be i mean that's uh i think it would be good for him to do that before he does the next terrifier to be honest with you yeah let's see how he manages a larger budget i think that, right well something true, different yeah. it would teach him newer things that maybe he didn't really think about he would get to hear from, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying that he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm just saying that, like, it's just different experiences give you different outcomes for. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think it would benefit Terrifier, which is his baby. Right. Yeah. I don't think it could hurt to have more experience. I but think let that... me give my score on this before. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah, didn't yeah, get to ahead. do that. So I would say that I was probably at a 6.5 on this one. Right. Which is definitely above, uh, I thought. Uh, didn't I say 6.5 when we watched it? I was like, yeah. I think so, yeah. Something Maybe, like you know, I think I'm at like a 7 or a 7.5 now because I really did enjoy my second time watching this and the laughter that I had by myself, mind you, that uh, I normally don't laugh. You know, it's one of those things where, like when you have people around you, it's kind of infectious to hear laughter and. You know, it says something when you can laugh out loud by yourself, I think. And uh, absolutely. It's uh, highly entertaining. It's got a lot of, uh, I don't want to necessarily call it fan service, but there's a lot of stuff to appreciate about a film when you're watching it alone or even or with a group. I think it's, yeah, the character of art just makes it so much fun. The way that he interacts with his kills, the, the tone and some of the dialogue is just so hilarious. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, that, I think it's right. So let me ask you this. Okay, well, so, if it's spoilerific, we'll get into the No, no, not, not quite right. yet. Let me ask you this. So you say you bumped it up to your seven and a half from a six yeah, and a half? Yeah, about a seven like and a half. Yeah, I'm, right. about, I'm okay with that. It's not an eight for me. Sure. I, I still, so, but it could be with more watches. You know what I mean? So like, just to kind of, from what I, from what I understand, what I heard you say is that your, your top list of 20, there's no six or sevens. On no. that list. Yeah, and right. I love, there's a lot of movies that I and love so, right here. So you kind of still, stay, even after the second viewing and how you felt, how entertained you just described that you were, you still wouldn't put Terrifier 2 on this list in replace. Well, just because it's not an eight. Films. Yeah. So you, all the, tw the top 20 that you have on here, 
you stand by still being a higher score right than Terrifier yeah 2. it was wow. just barely wow. there though it was almost there like it this time but only this time after i watched it when i wrote that list it was well below that by at least two points or yeah, a point and so a half. Surprising to me. Obviously, you know, these a lot of things have to do with personal taste. Sure. These are your opinions. Like I, I said, when man, you, when you, you watch so about many movies, you, sure. you, you yeah. get in a groove sometimes and you have to rewatch it because you're just in that groove. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I really think, you know, upon watching it again, I really kind of came around a little bit. But I still think some of the, the parts, the story elements and some of the talky parts and stuff uh, needs a little bit more work. Maybe, maybe like a a partner somebody even said that actually i'll read it for you on my post and i'll uh, i, I kinda, did see the comment i did see the comment and yeah i, know, I, I mean, kind of agree I, with them you know i like, think i think though that th- this we have a lot of writer directors that have made films i think if you look at your top 20 probably more than half of them are writer directors um that have made these and yeah, I mean, I don't I know. I think he like, should still have control. I, I just think there's other people that could focus on that while he could focus on, you know, he could do the story and what he thinks art should be and like keep that kind of thing. But I think that like someone said, and they were a little, a little not so nice about it as I would probably be, but they said he needs a writing partner. He clearly can, can't write a decent story, which I kind of disagree there. I, I, I totally disagree with that. I, yeah, I mean, obviously art is a very good story. Um, but, but he said he just fills in the blank with gore, which it does come across that for me when I first watched it. But the second time it was much better. Um, I don't yeah, know. If I, wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize it that way, but I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of movies that are on your list of top 20 that store. The stories are very mediocre and they also don't have a lot of other things going for them that would make them stand out or especially not for when you. There, there's no singular scene that is a technical achievement. I think there's certain characteristics of a film that like even if you were going by return, right? That you have how did I think I've even heard you say, you know, how did they use the money that they had, right? Oh sure, and, yeah. And I, I think the they did a return on job. investment. The return on investment being so much higher. Even the number one movie that I loved, I like Barbarian quite a bit. I think it's great. That's a very large budget budget movie. Four or five million. I think it was five million dollars that that they had to make that. It made forty five million. Right. right, but so like that's a ten x. Let me explain something this like to Terrifier them so two doing a sixty x. To told, me, the sixty x is is just a technical feat of an indie film having that big of a return. Right, that doesn't give it three points though, just because of that. I don't know. Should should what should, what should be the defining characteristics? Well, of, I'm I'm very of, fair with independent top. films. Well, I'm very fair. Trust me. I I I can see like you know I give uh, better scores to independent films than I think most people would because it they have a but higher that's standard. Why it, it seems odd to me that a film like Terrifier that is an independent independent film is achieving so much more than a than a film like soft and quiet that's just a let me let me explain how i do my point system to you so that you can better understand and they don't think i'm just some fucking piece of shit like you're talking no i just just, (laughs) let me tell the viewers one of the things that you started your podcast with that it was your beginning of the year top top list podcast you said this is your own opinion don't get mad and don't take it personally. Well, I want to let the viewers know, the listeners know, that I'm mad and I took it personally because Terrifier 2 is such a masterpiece. See, but you, here's the, the thing. fact that it's not on a list of, not just a top 10, but it didn't make in a list of 20 films, uh, I find that to be almost like... Do you know like how many Arthur movies Clown I loved that I saw last heart. year that I had to cut out of the top 20 that I didn't want to? You know how hard that was? I'm, I mean, it's not an easy job, but... Look at the hatching. This movie 
cost millions of dollars to make and only had only got five hundred thousand oh, dollars okay office. so can, let me say so, my uh, hold I, on let me say my piece and you can get back to it all right first of all when i say something is an eight it is giving me a body buzz like this there's something that makes me excited about it okay if i don't get that i typically don't score a movie an eight or above period period so if I don't get that body buzz, it doesn't mean I don't like the movie. I mean, a 7.5 is not a bad score. That is it's, a it's good tough score. It's to understand what kills something for you because I know that you didn't like the Well, hold on. Let me finish. So, so, so when I get excited about a film, that means that it's, it's, we're already working on an eight. And sometimes that fluctuates when I'm watching a movie, you know, like I'm like, oh, I really like this intro. This has really got me going. And then, you know, uh, and then it kind of builds itself back up or breaks it back down and it kind of like goes where it and then I have to think about it and where it left off and what I liked about it. There's like solid films, which I think are about an eight, nine or exceptional films and tens are practically made for me movies. You know what I mean? They're not. That's like a perfect. And there's no such thing as a 10 that everybody will like. Okay. There's never going to be one of those. Everybody has a different opinion. Everybody, this movie, it went up a point and you're still mad at me. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just saying that the list itself has so many films that that you don't like, but one I like. might not even classify in the horror genre. Personally, That's I like I like Fresh and I like The Menu. Are there horror films? I think they're more like suspenseful thrillers. What Josiah saw, it's a decent thriller. It's not a horror film. Right. But I think that Soften Soften is Dead Alive a comedy or is it a horror film? I think it has, it's a horror comedy. That's definitely. Oh, well, there we go. So we can, I think you can have both. I don't think that you can say that uh, even Soft and Quiet is a horror movie. It's, it's not. All right. Look, this is not about dismantling my list. Okay. There's, we're not, we're not going there because one, you're not right about my list. My list is my list. list. Your list is your list. You can come up with your own list. Terrifier 2. You come up with the top 20 films of of 2020. As a horror film. And I will listen and and watch all your (laughs) movies. And I guarantee you, you're not even going to be able to find 20 I just wanted to understand one of the reasons why I watched all these films and the ones that I didn't see was I wanted to understand why Terrifier 2 didn't make the list. Because it, because I it wasn't that for me. It was very deserving. It and, was and not I'm for me. I'm trying to understand, and I'm trying to understand why. What about it isn't for you? Because it sounds like you. Really I love the it. gore, but I wasn't into all the parts in between that much, and that is a huge uh, thing. Well, maybe we'll if talk it doesn't about flow now, for me, and, and I kind of am just waiting for the gore to happen. I'm not saying that it's bad. I gave it a seven point five, like I said, which means that there is good there. Obviously, it's just I wasn't very fond of the stuff in between. As much as you were, you were much more, uh, you know, the way you spoke about it was like a love letter to your mother. And that is wonderful because I, I'm I think glad if you want to watch. If you want to watch a movie on Halloween, have a good time. Watch as a group <laughs> that Terrifier 2 is going to be a film that people are going to go back to. I can't say that about maybe the sadness, but it's a little bleak for that. That sure. would probably be my number one pick out of the films that you chose. Sure. I do think that Terrifier 2 the reason why I do think that it's going to stand the test of time is because of where it's at tonally, that it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think that's a really big problem with a lot of the films that are on your list is that the acting gets really bad. There is no movie, problem with my when list. A movie, when a movie takes itself too seriously, the acting has a kind of a higher bar, I think. So if you look at something like The Cursed, where it's like super, super serious, and you got a guy running around, Seamus, I'm just saying it's tonally... It's you didn't like the, the curse at all. I, I thought it was one of the worst movies on this list. 
And oh wow! You're, 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 it doesn't break a lot of new ground for a werewolf film. It doesn't dude, break a new, I, lot of new ground. I for do like, not like period, period pieces. Horror. Period it blew horror me away. Tough. I've never I, liked period pieces. I mean, talk about bad children actors. I mean, this oh, little girl. Come I mean, on, you're Edward, not. It's, you are I'm, not gonna go I there. I did not like the cursed. Out of all that's the fine, that but that doesn't list. mean it's bad. The the acting. I, I just in think. That, hold on. If the you're acting, gonna do Terrifier two for the ch- for the child actor that you think if is you're annoying, gonna oh say the God. acting in Terrifier two is better than the curse, then you got some. I don't oh, know I what think the it hell. Absolutely is because totally absolutely the curse, not. The curse takes it so seriously that when it's bad, all of a sudden it's like super bad. It's a it whole takes you other level, dude. It's so difficult to pull off period piece and the guy you know that lead actor who was like i mean he was in the sandman he's not a bad actor but everybody else around him is just failing you're like look so monty python is way better acting than <laughs> than a movie like the witch no, it just i'm fits, sorry it fits it's the just movie too serious i mean i think the witch is much better than for a period piece much better than the curse but you didn't like the witch so i didn't like i don't it. know I know, I know the curse actually like, gave me a story that actually had something at the end and i, I really think it enjoyed was it. very it was very disjointed i think that it doesn't bring anything Good new Lord, to the table when I, it comes to like you know. No more breaking um, down my Gibson my twenty twenty. I'm trying to compare it to. We'll talk about Terrifier two. Is in Terrifier two. We can talk about the details of the film. I have a lot. There's a lot of things that I think are worth mentioning about it technically and just the intricacies of some of the. Sequences. Well, if you had a twenty twenty, if you had a, a twenty top twenty list from last year, I could pick apart yours, but you don't. So that's sure, unfair. Yeah, you're right. unfair I'm territory. I'm trying to understand if you're standing by. That's yes, really I stand. By everything I said, I spent months thinking about. You don't. This. You don't want to put Terrifier on there. Maybe no. Um, I don't. You know, Nothing you say is going to make me take put off it on there. Deadstream. You can't pay me to put a fucking movie okay. on on a list that I'm I don't agree with. I'm not paying for you. I mean, I, I like the I mean, movie. I gave it a seven point five. There's nothing wrong with that score. What did you give? What score did you give Deadstream? I think it was like eight or eight point five. I enjoyed it. An eight point five for yeah. Deadstream, and it was less dummies. money than Terrifier. It's sure, but what did they do with that money? I mean, did they use it better and more wiser to make something more for interesting? you? For I you, mean, Nick. For you. Okay. And the acting isn't particularly good. That's there something is, that you see, terrified You're for. under the assumption that that there's one answer for all of these movies, and there no, is. I'm not saying there is. There's a vast diversity in the in the films that you have you chosen. You can't do that. It's just my think, particular sure. taste and what I felt this year, what I enjoyed the most, what was memorable to me. There's a lot of things that go into it, more than just, oh, is the, is the gore in this better? Because, I mean, obviously. Well, not this, about that. I think, yeah. I mean, some yeah. of the things that you mentioned when you're talking about these. Sadness is, and, and Terrifier right, 2 have some they, of the best how do they use? How do they use the money? You know, like, you know, what stands out to you? Like, if I'm interested in the story. When when you were talking about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for instance, you say, sometimes I just want to have fun. I just want to see gore. I just want to laugh and see a slasher film. Right. If you're going to compare that film in those metrics to Terrifier 2. I had I more fun with Texas Chainsaw Massacre than I did with Terrifier 2. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Okay. When Art the Clown, I don't want to get into spoilers, but Art the Clown you, as you a character. have your, your fan blinders on. That's the problem. You can't. I as far was as not a fan of him 100%. As pure entertainment value, the way in which you like spoilers, clowns, but. though, you're already a two points above me in anything that has to do with clowns because I'm not a clown fan, period. I don't even think it's the best Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Right. It isn't. But I still enjoyed it. I still had a uh, an entertaining time for that movie. And it wasn't even that high on my list. It was is up there, but it wasn't that high. It's number 13. So? On your list. It's not I'm even just, in the I, top 10. And I'm that's why I think that, yeah, that's it's to me, 
that if you want to have fun, you want to see gore, you want to laugh and see a slasher film. There is no right Terrifier answer, I'm not saying there is. I'm, I'm Terrifier 2 did not hit me in acting film. as much as some of these movies did. And even if there was some bad acting in some of these movies, the, it just didn't hit me right. The, the, the Terrifier 2 just did not hit me right. That's all. I wish it did. I'm rooting for it. I want it to be successful. I'm, well, should I'm, we talk about I love that spoilers? people love it. And I love that people uh, will put down my list uh, just because they love it so much. But I can't, you know, no, I, can't, I think there's a lot I can't of just I, like I enjoyed, it you like it. I enjoyed watching everything that was on the list. <laughs> I thought maybe after your second viewing, you would come back and say, hey, See, I told you guys maybe there's maybe there's room for it on the list. That's why I'm asking. We I'm not saying that you need to change it. Spoilers section. Yet. Yeah, I think that we should go into spoilers there. But I just I just needed to know if your subsequent viewing changed your opinion enough to bump something off your list. No. Wow. Okay. I like it. I'm I'm a fan of it more than I was, but it's not for me 100%. I'm glad people like it. I think it's awesome. I think that there's a slasher that anybody can root for. This is a really good one now, but I just was not, I'm not, you know, totally, like I said, the first time I watched it, it, it was not for me and it especially didn't hit the list then for sure. And it's mostly because of the parts in between. And you wouldn't take a wounded fawn off this list at number five. No, I really, I, I terrifier there. I really liked that movie a lot, man. Like, I really thought Wounded Fawn brought back, like, a like a whole genre of, like, uh, Suspiria and, like, a modern way, and I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, what they did with, with it was clever, and it's just my particular taste. Like I said, any of the top 20 could be interchangeable just about, especially the top five. You don't think that the acting of the, of the serial killer guy, Bruce, and a Wounded Fawn, you think that level of considering what i've seen him act in before yes his acting was better this time than he had done in his other movies because he's a comedic actor Hmm. and so he did better and that's why i liked it because i really had not seen that side of him and it caught me off guard and it and it played into the story. I mean, it probably cost more money just because it was shot on film. When film does is pretty expensive. It's so about budget. It, it's it always about everything. Budget. Did they use the money wisely? I think if it wasn't shot on film, the, did I like I think the what story it, more? It has it has style, but I think the story is pretty small. I think it it does. I like you know I love trippy stuff, mm-hmm. and that movie has a lot of trippy stuff in it. But it just it's not great. And technically, For I don't you. think there's like I'm just saying. And that's on fine. A techni- on a filmmaking standpoint. What Terrifier Two achieves with that <laughs> amount of money, I think, is such on such a giant wider scale. It's such a more like the amount of locations, just what they managed to achieve with that amount of money. It's just hard to see that by what no, metrics. And you're, you're totally you right know. about your own opinion. I just don't agree. Sure. I just know that I've heard you say in the past that one of the things you try Nothing, to do is you're never going to catch me. If the money, just... if the money is used in a way that you know that that's something that you will yeah, of course, weigh a, I, weigh a movie higher because no, of that. but that doesn't mean it goes by it goes three points higher. It doesn't make it go five points higher. It just it's based on whether I like the story. Do I like the acting? Did I get thrilled by it? Did I you know find the whole thing in entertaining did it surprise me did you know was there there's a multitude of different things that you're mixing into a bowl and then you got to go okay what order do these go in i didn't want to make an order at all like i just wanted to pick the top 20 movies that i enjoyed that i'll probably rewatch, and that i some of them i don't probably won't rewatch as much but i still have to give them accolades for what they did so yeah like I said, you bring a twenty list to me, and I'll 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 criticize it too. <laughs> I think that it's it's tough. If you when think you see a movie I, I don't, I can never say that Terrifier Two, unfortunately, is. 
I cannot say that Terrifier 2 would be a 9.5, but that doesn't mean that- I, I don't, I'm not saying that it should be, but I think that it's definitely in the top 20 of films that were cut, that came out that year. And to not see it in there, but and you to didn't see, see as many two movies witches. as I did. I watched all these movies. Yeah, but I've seen hundreds. Okay. I mean, I've watched hundreds. But these were the top. These are the twenty that you thought were the best of the year. Well, I don't want about so, hundreds, but at least close to two hundred sure. almost. But I don't these know. are all ones that were that came out this year. Yeah, and I don't. So, I don't review every single movie that I watch, and sometimes I watch movies that I really like, and I didn't get to review them because it's too late, and I just don't want to do it. So I, you know, like it's just sometimes I like to save them for the end of the year, so it's a surprise too. Because if everyone, I know what it is. You're uh, you're in the pocket of Big Bird. That's why. Oh Hatchin's yeah, yeah. On, that's why Hatching's <laughs> on this list. I I think you are paid by uh, Damian Leone. I, I don't know. Did he pay you to come on? No, here? I don't. I'll just okay. full discretion. I've never met him. I don't right. know. He's any got of Big Leone money right there. I don't. Know. I don't know any of the people involved in the. Making he made that fourteen point seven million off the box office so maybe you're getting a little cut of that or no i have i have no uh are you guys yeah, dating no or connection no connection okay I just, just making you know, sure definitely appreciate the <laughs> the the work uh and the ability to create i have full respect film. see i i you make it feel like i don't have respect for the movie i do and i don't think a 7.5 is bad there are tons of movies that i will pull out on on a regular basis that are sixes or sevens and sometimes i watch those more than i do the nines and tens literally because i just like that slot you know what i mean like it just happens that way but ultimately it's like i like hereditary you don't i like hereditary but i couldn't watch it like every fucking month you know what i mean like i i but it's still at a higher class to me than most movies I think it's what it's about what will stand the test of time. Right. And I think that, yeah, you know, I like to save the big films. ones like the nines or the tens. I watch once a year because that's all I need sometimes. But other ones like Dawn of the Dead, which are tens too. you know, sometimes I'll watch those a couple times a year, you know, things like that. So, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, let's I'm get not into looking the spoilers at, because we, we, yeah, if you want to talk spoilers, let's do it. Yeah, we got to talk about some of the scenes more in depth into Terrifier 2. Yeah. And what? some particular because I, I can't say why i didn't like the parts in between without spoiling it so oh yeah that's i think let's go into it all I'm, right I'm, I'm curious to know why so you know guys if you have not seen this movie and you should you should check it out i definitely think it it definitely i my uh, opinion of it did definitely change on it a little bit more watching it a second time so if you haven't seen it a second time maybe try i'd be it surprised again. if most if, if there's a lot of people that haven't seen it at this point because i think it it has gotten so well, in, definitely in your world, now. everyone has seen it, including my grandmother, who's buried. But <laughs> <laughs> God bless your heart. I love you, Grandma. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I just mean it did get a lot wider release than some of the films. That sure. No, no, I know. I'm or... just teasing you, Nick. You know, I'm kidding. Come on. <laughs> You're just giving me so much shit here. But yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, go check it out, guys. Yes. And we're going to get think... into our spoilers right now. Now, okay, so now we can talk about whatever you want. All right, well, uh, yeah, and I think you that... can take the, you can put the gloves back on, Nick. All right, about my top twenty, I'll, I will fucking defend that shit until the grave, motherfucker. <laughs> it's hard to know. It's hard to know what everyone in everyone has their own individual type of criteria about you yeah, know what makes a film good. You or what are doesn't. looking for the phrase of like how I fucked up somewhere along the way, and there is no fucked up because it's it's taken me years to culminate how I think about these movies, and I try to be. I also try to 
to include multiple different genres, subgenres, and different things. And when you start doing different subgenres for movies and then trying to organize them, which one is better? It's it's insanely, it's well, like mind blowingly hard. And I do think that the breadth and depth of the horror genre has expanded, and there's a lot of more uh, greater opportunities for films like The Wounded Fawn to be seen by audiences. Where I think, yeah, you know, it's interesting grindhouse type of throwback with its bright red paint for blood, and it's like you know, shot on film. And because of that, they couldn't do a ton of takes because <laughs> film is expensive, so you don't yeah. get great performances. But it has a lot of style, and you can tell that they have a Stick to the concept that's there. Yeah, that movie yeah, really but, upset you. <laughs> you know, I know. I thought it was interesting. I love trippy stuff. I think the trippy moments were great. I thought it was. I just, it really got I, me. It, it, I, made, it I'll just say me. this. I thought the dude there was, was just the no Patrick Bateman. You know, the serial killer is very non-charismatic. I couldn't believe that this dude could ever lure a woman to her death. That's for I, sure. Well, like, you really shouldn't spoil this. Like, like I, I thought we're doing. We're not. We're, we're spoiling doing spoilers everything for Terrifier. Not every oh. movie is in existence. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> By the way, here's a list of all these movies you should see and their endings. At the end of Christmas Evil, he does this, and then all oh, also. No, ends- no, no. <laughs> I, I will. I mean, I think it. I would like to compare some scenes from Terrifier Two as we talk about them to some other things. That's fine. Yeah. But, I mean, like uh, yeah. I said, man, I loved the movie. I had a good time with it the second time. It went up. But you love clowns. You love mimes in particular. So you're but, always going to be a point to No, because I will say this, because Terrifier 1, just because it had a clown in it, it didn't impress me. But you, what about... You spent five minutes about telling me why two. you love clowns. And you're and not I do. And I do. on it. And no, no, I absolutely do. But that's what I'm saying is when I told you how I felt about Terrifier 1, just because there was a clown in it, didn't make it a great <laughs> but movie. But I'm just saying, you're going to lean that and, way. Just and like I, I lean towards anything the portrayal, Lovecraft. The portrayal of the character was so lacking in the first one mm-hmm. that I think that when you're looking at Terrifier 2, just to get into more spoilers and details about the performance of David sure. Howard Thornton as Art the Clown, this is a character that is an anti-hero villain. You root for Art when he's killing people. Sure. The way he taunts the victims, he, he he's very you know, friendly. Kills somebody, in that regard. he kills somebody and goes ta-da. He raises his eyebrows. He winks at you, but he's all winks at the victims. He's also winking at you in the audience. He's so enjoyable. All the little nuance that he brings to the character. He's being a goddamn clown. Finally, a Wait, horror hold on. Film Let me villain. cue the porno music while you say this really quick. <laughs> An Go actual ahead. horror film. Horror film villain that will stand the test of time i think that the nuance in his performance with every single kill they're all very creative art the art the clown's performance when he goes to kill uh brooke and he has the giant uh chair leg with spikes in it sure and then she's like gonna defend herself from that and then he throws fucking acid in her face it's like the setup and the re- and the tension and the release and the and subverting expectations there's so much of that in this movie deep, where the man. writing the writing just it's it's complex but it's not pretentious it's got depth but it's I, not I'm, overly reliant on the mythology it, it leans into the sense I'm of mythology fully on board with the writing for art explain it or the creative license that the the actor takes with him I think there's nothing wrong with art I like him I, I, compared I to the first film especially oh, it, yeah. it's such an evolution of the character I think that it has just you really understand art in a way. If you look at the final showdown 
between Art and Sienna. Sienna's it's finally finally Sienna's me. finally got the upper hand. She has the sword behind Art's head, and she's gonna take off his head. No, we're, we're beyond spoilers, right? She's yeah, gonna yeah, take yeah, him out, fine. right? She's gonna take him out. Art in without any dialogue, he expresses like, "Oh, you think you can? Oh shit, you got me. Oh, but next time." And then pulls his head back and smiles like, "Just do it." Like there was so there's so much that he conveys without using dialogue <laughs> and and through the makeup and everything. It's it's honestly it's like some of the I acting. Wonder... I would I would compare it to Lon Chaney. I would compare it to oh. um I would compare it to other uh like Dan, uh, Doug Jones just being able to express that well through that much makeup and to have that much communicated that's pretty uh some pretty pretty hey honestly honestly there. he has done so much with that character if you go back and watch the nuance of every single kill the small gestures the winking of the eyes is you know hands ex- and his expressions his facial expressions it's just there's so much to his performance that every single frame that art is on screen is a joy. Sure. In my opinion. I think, see, now I have no problem with him. So, I mean, I'm not going to argue with him about that or anything like that. I, I That's the part that everybody likes, including the people that didn't like that. And, and so few films can ever have or ever do have a standout performance, especially when it comes to the villain, because so many of these movies, either the villain is obscured or you don't really, you know, it's it's even in your classic slashers, you have a sense of Jason Voorhees' personality. You have a sense of your your Leatherface, but it's more like you got your Chucky and you got your Freddy. They really have a lot of personality, but they're also very vocal. And so right. the fact that Art has this strange combination of being the silent killer, well, he's but also very much being a, very, I don't very think, big personality. I don't think his brand of whatever it is, slasher, would have been as magical back in the seventies and eighties as it is today because. He is standing, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. I'm saying he is, we're, we're laughing at it because we have a whole history of horror movies that he's standing on in order to be able to, to come to that conclusion, to enjoy it, because it's almost kind of a pastiche of those things, right? It definitely has a lot of homages. You can tell, yeah. I think, absolutely that Damien Leone is a horror fan fundamentally. Sure, that's what I'm saying. And I'm just, it's, an, it's really a love letter to the horror genre. Right, in a 100%. Lot of ways, I think. It's a fan movie in a way. Like it's a made by a fan, so you can tell that. And sometimes those movies aren't the greatest, uh, but this one is. This is a, is a good film. And I think that the creativity in the kills—that's one thing. I think as a horror fan, what you always, in my opinion, are critical of, or might want to look at, or what you talk about with your friends when it comes to past franchises. What's the best kill from Jason? What's the, what's Freddy's best kill? You know, and you're looking at these and you're comparing what's. What's creative, what's innovative when with the effects that you're using, how did they achieve certain effects? What was the most gruesome? What was the most brutal? These are some of the conversations that are had. And I think that there's a plethora of just phenomenal kills in this film. Um, of course, there's a the bedroom scene. Just to talk about that for a second. It's such a masterclass. And well, hold on before you get there, because I have a point to make after what sure. you said. Okay. So we're talking heavily about Art the Clown here and David Howard Thornton and his performance and everything. But see, here's the thing that I think um, where I have the disconnect and you maybe don't think it's a big deal. But to me, a, a strong character such as Art the Clown performed by the actor is needs a equal final girl in my opinion i'm not i don't hate like what we got from sienna's Laura character Lavera. yeah 
I think she's great. She's good at, especially like, man, like they, like I said, they did this for $250,000. That's great. But I feel like with such a strong villain like that, we need an equally strong uh, sort of. Uh, I think that we see her journey and her transformation throughout this film. I think that her. It, it definitely covers is, some of the gaps in it, but I feel like it just it either more story could have been, uh, you know, maybe I don't know more heartfelt with the character of her or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think they, they do a lot of really great things with her character. I really enjoy the fact that she, you know, there's a lot of details in her room that are cool. The, her cosplay that she's creating. I have no problem yeah. with her as an actress. I'm just saying as the character that she was written as is not, I just am not there mentally as you are. You are like clearly like a hundred percent. I see okay. her. I see it as she's, just like Nancy Thompson in Nightmare on Elm Street, that transformation, but even more so, she's like a mix between all of the best stuff from the final girl of the, of the past, Jamie Lee Curtis. So you think she's as good as Heather Langenkamp? I think that she is as good as Heather I Langenkamp. See, I yes. think that's a stretch. I think, I mean, it's, I, I, I'm rooting for her. I want her to be, you know, but I just don't think the, it's, just, it's, you can compare the two because it's, you know, vastly different. I think you know. it's 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 easy to look back on a performance like Heather's in Nightmare on Elm Street one as just because we have a lot of nostalgia for it. You know, I think that the scenes that homage that movie in Terrifier two just to show you how probably Damien Leone feels about the Nightmare franchise. I can sure. imagine that he's a big fan. Yeah, obviously. The, high, the sequences shot at the high school. There's where, no way that um, he would come up with a character like Art the Clown without right. some of where, that humor. Where Sienna, Sienna's talking to her friends in the high school, and she's after she has the, the she falls asleep. Um, there's this amazing dream sequence with the music with the clown cafe, a yeah. brilliant set, tons the of great detail <laughs> in the sequence. Kid, kids eating, kids eating cereal. There's all this creepy stuff in the cereal box. Art comes out, kills all the kids. Oh, he's... that dream sequence is so phenomenal. All the details, uh... I absolutely love it. And yes, that to me is a, is a direct nod to a Nightmare on Elm Street. Sure, she takes the sword and she deflects the fire from Art, and then that fire comes back into reality outside of her dream and lights her room on fire. It's straight up a Nightmare on Elm Street with Nancy bringing the of hat course. into into reality. Yeah, obviously. You know? And these are the types of nods that I this just movie don't has buy the connection. That, uh, as far as if you're as a like, horror fan, you're gonna appreciate all that stuff. That doesn't into mean this movie. anything. Like, because a lot of people like. Okay, here's an example. I liked the movie. Um, what was it called? It was like a collection of shorts that they did a sequel to. Rad Chads, whatever. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, Rad Chad's um, Revenge from Scare Package 2. And it's a weird comparison, but like this first Scare Package, you know, it's 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 a low budget film and everything like that. But this one, the second one just didn't satiate. It still was for fans because there was nothing but fan service in there. But it just wasn't that it was too much. It was so much that it just it, it became like not even fun anymore. And it got too, it just was too much for me. You know, I couldn't I couldn't handle it. And uh, I felt, you know, like, I'm not saying that this movie did that, but I'm just saying that, you know, fan service, just because you do fan service doesn't mean it's always good. There have been a lot of fan made horror films that are, you know, they're good, uh, but a lot of them are, you know, they lean on the fan stuff a little too much instead of actually just doing the, the you know the film and they kind of worry about well, that. I think, I think that it's, I'm not saying he did that now, you know, right. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in the case, he, of I think he had a pretty two, damn good balance. Actually, I, his, I think that his he are subtle enough. There, I, from what I've read, there was a story that he wanted to tell. and didn't have the resources for the earlier terrifier films and the short film, original terrifier. And there was a, 
conception of the character of Sienna that had already been kind of in his mind that he wanted to kind of do a story with. And I think that if you see the Sienna character as this, you have the angel and the demon, you have the kind of parallel of basically this good versus evil, uh, the heroine versus the villain. Yeah, I didn't really and, understand the whole magical sword thing. You know, yeah, like, Well, I mean, this movie goes in some places that, like I said, the one thing that I really loved about this was how much further it expanded the mythology of what the Terrifier universe was. Right. Because there are, if you look at that, element of it with the sword and angel and the demon element and how you compare that to like the the all the all hollow hollows eve shorts the ninth circle which has to do with demons and um the first terrifier there's a lot of those themes in those two films that the first terrifier film terrifier one didn't have because it lacked a lot of that mythology and this film brings a lot of that stuff back into it so i don't think this stuff came out of nowhere you know i don't think it's just thrown in there to me it makes a lot of sense i just feel like you're i i like you are comparing uh heather langenkamp to someone who's just started out i think there's obviously there's flaws in that it's not to disrespect anyone uh it's just i I think you even have i mean you even have and and towards the end of this movie that she thinks Art is dead after she she initially like knocks him unconscious and yeah. she has this vision of her mother. She comes back after her mother's already Art already dead. She doesn't know she's dead, but she sees her there. It's very Nightmare on Elm Street three when Heather sees her dad who's been dead come come in and it's a fake out. What does Freddie do? It's it's Freddie disguising himself as the dad and he kills her. Right. So this movie has a very similar moment where the mother comes in and what happens? It's subverted similar way. She doesn't right. die. But it's this is the type of I think it it Damien Leone is kind of playing with the language of these horror films that we're all familiar with. Sure. And a lot of the things like the rave scene. What I love is you have after this gory, gory, gory bedroom scene. It's absolutely balls to the wall horrific. I mean, and this scene has some of the best editing that each each of these setups, which is probably like thirty different effect setups, and the way that they're edited together in order to actually pull off this seeming realistic, this over-the-top crazy batshit scene actually sure. getting pulled off. It's all in the editing. And and the pre-production, in order to pull something this off, is also, there's a lot that could really, it's it's technically very difficult for this many setups, this many different effects setups to really come together in that way. And then what happens the, after the all of this, the mother comes in, sees her daughter still alive. She says, Mom, she screams, hard cut, rave scene. <laughs> I love it. It's, like a, it's amazing. Let me ask you a question here, okay? So you're saying, you know, oh, they're they're, they're paying fan service and they're, you know, this is like a nod towards that. And, you know, those are all fine things for me. I love that as a horror fan. I'm a big horror fan. I can, I love recognizing those things. Sometimes they're in bigger movies where they just have a nod. But let me ask you this. If that's a wholly important part to a horror movie, who did Freddy borrow from? Uh, I think that there's a lot to be said from other slashers like uh, Mania. Well, but who who specifically did he borrow from? Like, what what did Freddy the Nightmare on Elm Street the franchise? Where did it get its source of uh, nostalgia and fan fan fandom uh, fan uh, appreciation to? No, I mean I think that it's it's the horror genre is now so much older and matured compared to when a movie 
Like, you know, that's like, it's like this, Alex. You think Hereditary is a good movie, but without Rosemary's right. Baby and The Exorcist, without that. without the, the Omen, Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, <laughs> Hereditary, you know what I mean, would never exist. It has so much it owes to those films. Okay, okay, fair but enough. Do you let that? Do you let that hold back your but, opinion but of Hereditary? We're talking about slashers now. Where did Freddie get sure. his? Where did he get his fan service? From? No, I think that I think that Robert England's portrayal and I think Wes Craven's vision for that film is fairly unique for what was happening in horror genre at that time. Right. I don't think, I think it was breaking a lot of new ground. I'm not trying but to I be think, harsh on, on No, on but, I, but I think though, too, but. but I think Terrifier 2 does a good job of, yes, paying tribute to a lot of the things that exist in order to like actually let Terrifier 2 exist. It's still pushing the envelope and doing a lot of new things sure. that I don't think have been done in the Which past. Which I, I appreciate and I mentioned that. And, and I think it's a good balance of that. I don't right. think it weighs, it's, I don't think it's dependent too much on what I would say to be homages. Right. Of course. I think that those are more like Easter eggs for people that really love horror. That's let why me, I think let me this finish movie, my point it has a lot more to offer for that. horror fans. Because the average person might watch this movie and just think, oh, it's really gory and it's creepy and whatever. But if they're not a horror fan, there's a whole layer of stuff that's a communication between different works in the horror genre that I think is going to be extra for somebody that does understand the history of horror. But let me ask you this. So now I asked you that, you know, okay, so where did Freddie get his thing? And the reason I asked you that is because it is so unique and it's so original. I still think there is room for original concepts without having to lean on those things. And that's why I like Terrifier 2, but I feel like it hasn't broken from that its own chains in that regard and could be more original in its own thing, all in all in its own. And I think that's why it's good for Damien if he's gonna go work with Ghost House Pictures to do that movie first and then come back to the third one, which might be his holy opus. You know what I mean? Like, that's my point. Sure, no, I, I think that you're right. Sure, more experience is always better, but I just do think that if you look at the evolution between Terrifier 1 and Terrifier 2, some of sure. what is done in Terrifier 2. So after the mother's dead, the young brother comes back into the house. Which I cannot, mother, I could not get into his character. I sees just, the mother <laughs> sitting at the kitchen table, he was distracting head blown to off. Me. Yeah, I, I get Art that. the clown walks into the room <laughs> wearing an apron with a dish, walks over, is just taunting this little boy, mashed potatoes in the face of the dead mother's crushed in head, laughing. I mean, this is something that even is beyond anything that Kruger had done, anything that Robert England had done. These kills, please these don't tell me that you think that I it listen, I love Freddy all that Kruger, stuff. but but I just don't think that they were able to push the envelope. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 is by far the most brutal. I think that the further the franchise goes on, the more Freddy becomes a caricature of himself. Right. I think that oh, of course. the way that yeah. the way the way that the franchise went is that they were trying to as be to get to be as profitable as possible, you have to widen the demographic and and by the time you get to Nightmare on Elm Street 6, the kills are, you know, a little bit more middle of the road. They're not as creative. I think that it's it's supposed to, it's plays to a younger audience. And I think that it's not as gruesome and, it, I and feel, it's not as dark. I feel like and Art I think the Clown. two ups the ante compared to the first sure. one. Sure. And that's all think, well and good. But again, what I think is Art the Clown is, is a good enough character that he deserves to have his own original stuff 
hands-free from just about everything. It's fine to make nods and stuff. I don't like, I love movies like that. I don't mind. But I, again, I just feel like in order for him to really kind of push through the barrier to become this, you know, Freddy Krueger or Jason or, and he really has made like, you know, this is the well, only it's the fans that are going to decide. Right, of course. You know, I mean, that's something, but he I can't think, control any of that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that though. I'm just saying it's resonated for me, with fans. For me, I feel like that's a layer that he could break through and it could be within the writing that does it. I personally think that the dialogue in this movie is really hilarious and sure. it's, it's, yes, it's a wink and a nod at some of it, but some of it is so great. Like for instance, we, so the entire first half of the movie, there's lots of hints at Sienna's father and the mystery about his connection to Art the Clown. He's having visions. He's writing in this drawing in this sketchbook. We see images from Terrifier 1, those deaths in the sketchbook. We see he's been yeah. keeping news Which clippings. Which I thought the artwork was really good too. There's a I lot like. of stuff that they're hinting at with the father and the connection to Sienna's costume. That was there's so loosey There's a lot of build really and so And so they're building all this stuff up. And so we finally get to hear what really happened to Sienna's dad. We're in the car with Brooke and her boyfriend. Sienna's left to go to the dark uh, carnival, the lo- the local old abandoned carnival. On ecstasy, brother. right? Right. And so we have those two sitting in the car, and she's going to explain why Sienna is the way she is. Oh, she's just crazy. Oh, her dad, she, he, she hasn't been the same. The dialogue is, she hasn't been the same since her dad committed suicide. He had a giant brain tumor started seeing things, got abusive, and then one day he drank a whole bottle of Jack, got into the car, ran into a Transformer thing, the car caught fire, and he was trapped in the wreck, and he was burned to death, and you could hear him screaming from a mile away. Which is why they had the the banjo player on fire, right? That dialogue is so perfect. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like the payoff for all the know. mystery about Sienna's dad and all the buildup of everything you want to know, what happened to her dad, you're alluding to it. And you get the story of what happened to her dad. And you're just like, I mean, this, I will, is, this is amazing. It's hilarious. I will it's say got, that you are romancing the, the, the Leone. You are I, romancing. I, I think that there's so much to enjoy <laughs> the, the, about the dialogue. Because what you, what I'm saying this is because I know you said that you felt like you're you're waiting for the gore gore scene. No, I, and I, I what did I'm the saying first is time. I did the there's first. There's a lot. There's a lot to enjoy in the dialogue of this film. I really love the mother character. Sure. I think that when she's like, "Put the dish in the goddamn sink," she's like, "Put the ball in the sink," and she's yelling at the kid, and she slaps her son. Like that's this horror trope of the overbearing mother, the single mom who's out of her wits she's always angry it's it's the the mom from nightmare one it's the mother you know some of the parents in scream these are the characters that i think it's it's you want to nitpick about certain characters acting and i think that the writing of it and the tone of it they just there's a reason for why these characters exist the way that they do sure and i think it's part of this i'm just not as in love with it as you are it's just it's it's about how do you make it entertaining? And so when you see the mother at the car, she's so upset. She finally has this heart to heart on the phone with Sienna. And she's like on ecstasy. Oh, you know, mom, I really do love you. I love you, right? You know, I love you. And she's like, yeah, I love you too. And what happens? Her fucking head gets blown off. It's just so great. It's built <laughs> up. It finally makes you care, you care about her. And then her head gets blown off. It's little things like that. It's, it's the way that the script plays with the audience see that's it to me that's a, a builds attention and it has a release hold on it's, hold on i think it has the a sensibility to it that is so unique there's not a lot of other films you can say so that that's about. like like i i mean those are good bits but as a whole i still feel like 
there's a little bit of room for criti- criticism there. You know what I mean? Like it's not everything isn't perfect to me. Like you are. What did you think about the pale girl? The little pale poetically girl. added the addition of the character of the little girl. We don't know why she's in the story other than she got killed by Art the Clown at some point in time. And he's had this weird neuroses about the girl. And obviously she's not a figment of his imagination, but also probably evil, like, like puppeting him, maybe even like, I I mean, who knows? Like, because the relationship isn't totally explained. I think that's great. You know, I think that the That's initial the reveal of her at the laundromat, I really love this laundromat Dude, scene. the whole fucking scene art comes in when and she he, sits down and then all the black putrid blood comes right? out between her legs. I was like, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. As if they had the good taste not to show her face in that moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they just show her legs, which, you know, I guess is kind of like a, the nicer way to do it, you know, because it's really disgusting if you think about where all that's coming from. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's there's no lack of just grotesque and uh, nausea-inducing sequences in Terrifier 2. Yeah, oh, and yeah. that's something that I think is that's to what be they, they praised at, about. Yes. I, see, that, it, it, that it, it we crosses the line on, right? in a way that I think not a lot of other movies have this type of uh, unrelenting and unapologetically horrific nature. But that that's we why can I say agree when, on, right? When you're watching this movie, you know you're watching a horror movie. There's no question about it. It it knows that it's a horror movie. And I think that there's something unique in that sensibility because the genre has widened so much to have a movie that's very unapologetically what it is and, and crossing those lines and trying to essentially be as horrific and grotesque as possible. That Even a, even a movie that I love, like The Sadness, that has brutality to it and it's, it's very bleak. This movie... I think Terrifier 2 is such a joy to go through those sequences that it's it, it's going to test the time and, 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 and urge people to watch it multiple times. I can see people creating drinking games out sure, of Terrifier 2. Sure, you said two, that, but I mean... You know, and, and that's not something you can say for a lot of movies. That's why that's, I think it's it's a, kind of a special film, is I think it's going to have that type of following for years Sure, again, again, it is a fan service movie in a lot of ways. It does a lot of wonderful things. I still enjoyed it. I gave it a 7.5. We're not even debating whether we liked it. We liked it. Period. Both of us. One of us is in love with it. Literally would probably have sex with its body, corpse, whatever, if, <laughs> years after it was dead. This film, <laughs> this, this film, I think, is one of the rare gems in the horror genre that I think is... I don't think is, anybody believes you on the, when you say that. You know? I mean, just, <laughs> just give, give it a watch yourself. And if you're not convinced that this movie is a unique specimen of... Combination of technical achievement, budgetary limitations just blown out of the water. You know, the fact that it has achieved success monetarily that it has and, and right. reached fans that it has is is just unheard of for an indie to recoup as much as, as it did. And yeah, the. Well, and this is all, by the way, guys, so you know this, My he's writing a book called A Thousand Loads on Why I Love This Movie. Um, it's coming out in April? I think you said April. <laughs> obviously, I, I think that this movie is great. I love but, it, man. I do. I love it. I'm just giving you shit because he, you. I have never heard you wax so poetic. And I haven't. Honestly, I, I, there's movie. very few films that I think really excel in the genre (laughs) a lot of films i think that are great don't ever surpass what i would think is as to be some of the more classic films in the genre i think sienna as a character 
is a finally a final girl that actually has like really goes toe to toe with their villain. I mean, and, even Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't stand up to Michael Myers the way that Sienna stands up to Art. And the oh, way that man. they have now you're the, really the battle that they have the battle that they have. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing is that Damien Leone, he knows all of this about all these other movies. So how does he design the ultimate final girl? He knows the history. That's why it's so interesting because this is this is a final girl that's designed to be the ultimate final girl. Yeah, let's switch gears here a little bit, uh, so we don't we don't uh, you know because I think at this point, if if you aren't pregnant with David Leone's <laughs> and Nick Bonaventura's child, uh, I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for no abortions, right? We're going to have a lot of movies coming up. <laughs> Only if we could actually give birth to more more films. Just just uh, the head part that smiles at you at the end. But yeah, let's talk about some of our our uh, some of the good scenes. Uh, I'm going to go first um, because I have a couple ones, like one that I, I, I revisited. Obviously, we talked about the beginning. The whole thing with him, I'm just going to briefly mention that washing the clothes naked, the little girl clown shitting buckets of putrefied blood, they play patty cake and kill the guy sleeping is just phenomenal. That's a great start to the movie. Even after well, the, the, there's the morgue scene, the very, right, very right. first but scene that, that was like the smashing of the face was really good, too. But I just well, he see. pulls his eye out. He puts it in and he goes, ta-da. Like that sets the tone of what you're going to get from art in this movie. Fair enough. The, the, you know, and it's I like, just don't want to get you carried away. Why, you, know what I mean? you don't need to know why he gets resurrected. It doesn't matter. What you need to understand from that first sequence, everything you need to know about the rest of the movie you're going to watch, the next two, two hours of your life in yeah. this movie, you get from the way he takes out his eyeball and puts it in and is just like, ta da! Like right. that's just, it's killer. I love the scene. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is the costume store clerk scene. Not just the murder scene, but the whole, she's like, oh, I left my bag downstairs. And then he just push it, drops it right in front of her. And she's like, okay. And uh, she's petrified of this guy because he's been following her on the store. And then while she's scared out of her fucking mind, and the store clerk is clueless, obviously, he sees the guy. He sees Art back there putting on multiple different pairs of glasses, making a fool of himself, which is hilarious. Um, and then she leaves and he walks and follows her out the door, locks the door and comes back and then puts the horn on the counter. And then the guy's like, okay, you're going to buy this. He's like, it's eight, eight thirty nine. And I was like, God damn, that's an expensive horn. First of all, uh, <laughs> inflation is a bitch. Uh, but no, he puts his bag down. He starts dumping out everything onto the fucking counter, which is pretty fun. Very cartoonish. Very, very like, uh, you know, I don't know. It just reminded me of Warner Brothers cartoons when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Just pulling out everything in the kitchen sink right there. It would have been funny if he put the kitchen sink on, but probably too much. Then <laughs> he's like, right as the, the clerk is about to give up on his patience. <laughs> <laughs> he finally has the money and he's got these bloody bills that he's putting on the counter and the store clerk slaps his hand on the counter and the face that art makes right there is the funniest fucking thing. I lost it watching it the second time because he's like, there's so oh! many moments like that in his performance where he has those types of hilarious. Yeah, reactions. that was some funny. And that's shit, why it's, it's, it's just, he's such a joy in this character. And all those little moments just really sell it in a big way. And then and you're right. I love that scene. I love that scene. Immediately after, it's complete brutality. Like, just like uh, unadulterated, like fucking 
like different ways like to, to kill somebody which is fantastic i mean yeah i've seen the coke bottle in the eye thing before i have seen that but then he just takes the hatchet on the ground and it's just chop like he's on a he's gonna like like uh scalp him or something and the fucking effects on that when he's cutting through the neck and the gore was like Mm -hmm. and the eyes moving and shit I don't. I yeah, don't know if they did really a mix well of of like like uh, his real head and the fake head in there. It seems. I'm like. not sure if there's any dis- digital augmentation to that particular I, shot. I know there was a little bit of that in the bedroom scene when they with the just for the eye uh, the eye digitally imposed on. Have the you ever heard of but... a company called Necrostorm? They do like these really oh, yeah. graphic movies, yeah, I've seen a couple and they've of kind of like made this like uh cgi slash practical effects style that kind of looks very familiar in here where they're mixing the two elements at one time i think the majority of this stuff is practical yeah oh no it definitely is i just mean a bit of digital enhancement just to make it seem more realistic right yeah but i think that this the halloween store scene is so great this is our first our first time sienna and art meet yeah and yeah he's standing in the doorway she turns around He's there. He raises his eyebrows at her. He does a little wave. She sneaks by him. And this motherfucker could kill her at any point. He doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. He goes and fucks with her with the sunglasses, which I love all that. And the goddamn bag. And one thing I got to say about this movie is that it does set a lot of stuff up and it pays it all off. A lot of movies, they don't necessarily pay off every little thing. But when he is in the beginning of this movie and he gets out of the morgue, he grabs the hammer. He grabs the hammer. He grabs the scalpels. He grabs the syringe. There's all the stuff that he ends up using later. I think it's a rib hammer. Yeah, a rib hammer. Okay. I I don't know what they call it, but you know what I mean? All of the stuff in this bag is stuff that he has acquired and you see where he's acquired it and then uh, you see where he's going to use it later which i think is just like santa claus's magic bag of murder right sure. it, like the the tendency to want to make that a magic bag is very high i'm sure when you're writing these kind of things you know but keeping it grounded in some sort of reality is kind of important with art right like he's already an unstoppable fucking demonic force of some sort that's already kind of pushing it right but <laughs> And there is a magical sword, but we'll we'll let that one slide. But <laughs> if it, it, I would think that as a writer uh, writing the the ma- the bag, I feel like you, if you were to go further iterations of this terrifier, like that would kind of, I don't know, the trash. It would bag, be an. It, you, I, I understand what you're saying there because it could be an easy way, right, to produce kills that. What you don't necessarily, if you're not setting the stuff up, it could be an easy out. Exactly. Like that's why I think it's so cool that all that stuff is set up. And so right. later when he's whipping, you know, Sienna in the back and he's got this thing made of syringes and scalpels and stuff that he stole from the morgue in the first five minutes of the movie, you're like, holy shit, this is like really interesting that they're they're paying all that setup off. Yeah. Which, like, that's why I do think when... If you're going to be critical of the of the story or the right, but I think the writing has a lot of depth to it and a lot of uh, just uh, nuance that is successfully paid off. Things that are coming back. I really love that. Like I said, that dream sequence um, that she has with the clown cafe stuff, and that gets paid off again at the end of the movie. And so you know what I mean. It has that ability that not a lot of movies have where things that happen don't really turn out to be meaningful but so my favorite my favorite kill aside from the bedroom scene is yeah Brooke's obviously death in the carnival she is phenomenal in this part and her death it's so hilarious is brooke the she, one with the hammer in the chest yes yeah okay, so yeah. so he so art has 
taken this leg of a of a table. Yeah. And he's putting a, a very bunch big of, table, by the way. A very big table leg. Yeah. And it looks like a giant, you know, hammer slash, you know, uh, mace or something with a bunch of uh, metal implements, scalpels and stuff, fork. I think it's a fork knife sticking out of it and he's walking up to her a lot Drill of tension bits. brewing she's got her own very much smaller uh leg of a table or a desk or something that doesn't have any metal in it and she's trying to ward him off very much like wendy in the shining no no and yeah. then <laughs> and right when she braces for art to come in with that leg with all the metal he throws the bottle of acid in her face yeah. And that to me is just so, and then what does he do? And then he points at her and he laughs. And that is so beautiful. That moment. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's hilarious. It's brutal. And that's what I mean when art is being a clown. That's the sort of thing that I was la- that was lacking in Terrifier One for me. Right. And that's why I love this particular kill so much. Sure. And then, and then after she gets the acid in the face, he takes that giant desk uh, leg and bashes her leg in, absolutely brutal, bashes her chest in, rips out her heart, and eats it. Yeah. It's just just phenomenal. And yeah, the, the <laughs> her brutality chest of it is pretty fucking gnarly. And are you getting and hit, it's, hit by that bat on the way? Like, she's, like, you falling You can feel against... those. You could feel those uh, impacts. Yeah, and dude. like I said, the subversion of you think that she's going to get a hit, and then she gets the acid in the face. I have to give it's a just... nod to her boyfriend's death though a little bit because Oh, I like that. Yeah. He went to go pee and she sees the just the tip on the window, of course, which is art being funny because he's like, "Hey, he's going to go pee and I'm going to cut his dick off somehow. I don't know how he knows it, but he does." And so then he goes to pee and you think easy cut straight up is going to work, right? No. He just jams it straight forward right at the deck into the crotch and it's like oh my god yeah, and then he takes the mutilated genitals it and he smashes rubs it, it on the window on the car window it's so fucking great and punches yeah. out the window on that because yeah it. i do think and that's why i say every single one of these kills is unique and has something special about it and uh the the bedroom scene just a technical master oh my god that is scene. amazing the editing i mean on that the amount of setups too. from what from what i understand from reading about it that this was a scene that they added after the fact or they expanded um from the initial idea and they crowdfunded specifically to make this one scene and yeah, it was shot I think it was five, money, I five days um just to do this one scene the sheer number if you look at the editing in this particular sequence it's like three minutes there's hundreds of cuts so many different setups dude what i love about it is it, it doesn't shows stop it's the scene that the, never the, ends the wonderful B horror movie trope when you don't want to show the death when you show that you, you you cut you cut away and you have the impact sound effect and the splatter on the object or on the wall, right? It does that, but it also shows you everything. I wrote it and down actually it so exactly what happens here. So we see Allie. She's she sees the window of the door open when she goes downstairs and then Art just wanders right by her as if he doesn't notice her. And she's hoping, of course, grabs a glass of water and slams it, then goes and turns and grabs a surgical knife and a tiny pair of scissors, which is just ridiculous. That's the whole cartoonish aspect of him. He chases her up to the bedroom and then immediately just slices her eye brutally. Like, almost as bad, I'd say, as... What's that French movie where the mom gets cut on the face really bad? High Tension? 
Yes, high tension. Thank you. That's the one. Uh, she's in the closet hiding, you know? Right, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It reminded me of that for some reason. And the eye's a little off kilter because it's like almost like he cut it partially out. Right, and <laughs> the editing, there's like three or four shots to pull off that eye effect. Right. You know, when you watch it, it's fucking great. And then she gets scalped. Right, slowly too, mind you. Well, slowly scalped. Slowly, but you see the cuts going around the head, and then he just rips it off. And then she crawls away, and then he starts cutting her back and legs and arms all over, and then he just grabs her arm and breaks it. Like, it's <laughs> a fucking... Fully breaks the arm. Dude, and there's just liquid popping out, and she's screaming. And then he takes her hand and rips it in half between the fingers. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, holy Jesus. Like, And then what my, my favorite part is the de-skinning. Rips her skin off. Oh yeah, pulls her skin off like it's like he's removing clothing from her body. Oh my god, and dude! It's it's just unrelentingly brutal. And like I said, it's the it's the technical mastery in order to pull something like this off. The editing and the pre-production. It's like <laughs> when you do something like this, every single one of these effects require multiple different setups in order to make that effect pull off. In order to pull it off, it's what you're seeing. Oh, make what, it seem like it's frame. fluid, right? And and in order to actually sell it, you have to be able to cut away <laughs> at a certain point, cut back, and now this the next stage of the effect is on. And it's her performance and the acting in it is great. And even that last segment when her mom comes back in oh we need to say the best my the best part is that yeah. you think that she's fucking done and she's just sitting there in agony she's gonna he's reach cutting for the a phone piece of her leg off and and art leaves the room only to come back with a bottle of bleach and a thing of fucking salt oh, yeah. to pour all over her goddamn body like that. how hilarious is that how completely <laughs> and he's so joyfully utterly does it, insane dude. Like and the, yeah, he's, and he's absolutely having such, he's enjoying it so much and having such an amazing time. He's like, oh, I bet, he, I bet you didn't expect this. I got salt and bleach. And it's just, yeah, it's You so know what that reminds me of is the, the cool. scene from um, Waxwork 2 when Bruce Campbell's character has got his whole chest exposed. And then the guy throws vinegar and salt on him to try to, to get water on it to, like, cool it down. <laughs> and it's so fucking bad. Like, I don't know. It just reminded me of that. But, yeah, that was hilarious. And, yeah, those are the things that I think that they must have had such a fun time coming up with uh, together. And and doing that stuff in, in a scene is just something that, you know, it's on a <laughs> level that you don't think you're ever going to be able to top certain things. I know that this particular scene, the bedroom scene, was something that, from what I understand, they were trying to do something that to outdo anything that's been done well first of all i gotta ask what the fuck did ali do to deserve that first of all as a character like what the fuck well (laughs) why wouldn't give him candy right that was the problem oh yeah and she also made fun of her friend she's like i'm not crazy so maybe that that was like he comes to the door and says you know hey trick-or-treat basically and she says, aren't you a little old to prove you trick-or-treating? She throws a candy at him. Well, so, yeah, so he comes back. Yeah, great. and I think that uh, he basically was like, yeah, you know, you're going to you're gonna pay for uh, not He's like, don't you know I did a movie called All Hallows' Eve, you stupid bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the follow-up. So the mother screams, you cut to the rape scene. But then when you come back, you have the trick-or-treaters that come to the house. Art the clown answers the door with Allie's mother's decapitated head filled with candy and uses that candy to hand out to the kids and like, oh, cool, I like it. That is just phenomenally epic. Like, <laughs> I love that, you know, and, you, and her death happens off screen, but the fact that you do have that moment with he's got her head and using it as a jar of candy for candy is just 
hilarious to me. Yeah, I think that the bedroom scene technically is just incredible the way that it was pulled off um, and just the sheer brutality of... I mean, the that's the reason to own the film in itself. <laughs> just that scene alone. Yeah. I mean, really. Well, I think I, I think it's hard. You're hard-pressed to find a sequence like that. I mean, that's probably more. the best kill of this of the year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I saw think. some other yeah. kills that were really good, but, like, that one's, like, really good. <laughs> I mean, it's on another level, I think. Yeah, and you can't that's really. That's I, hard to top. You know, and but I think that that's, you know, one of many creative kills within this movie. That's why sure. I said, I, I mean, even Brooke's death with the acid and everything, it's brutal. You know, it's not as intricate and complex as the bedroom scene. But I think that it's still like they all they all have something that you can appreciate about them. And uh, yeah, the way that art taunts his victims. I love when um, the uh, younger brother, he gets stabbed like several times with a scalpel and uh, which is great because he doesn't hold yeah, back. Yeah, I really they wanted get, him they to get die, by up. the way. I know you did. And, and maybe we'll see him die in one of the sequels. Ugh. But I think that, you know, this younger I'm brother. sorry. Like, I feel such a get, shithead saying that, but like he gets Jesus. stabbed a bunch of times and then Art the Clown is like playing a violin, an invisible violin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like well, that's, see, the, that's, type of that's shit. the thing that doesn't make sense to me because he'll tear apart that girl for no reason in the fucking thing. But when it comes to this little boy, oh, well, we better just slash him a couple times and move on. You know what I, I mean? Think there, like, I, I think there like might he, be something to it with the uh, connection, because obviously. Right, his his dad, like it's his, his like a art there. is the dad or something. I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know. It's or they were friends in the prison. It's obvious the that the, so Sierra has the dream, but her brother, he sees Art the Clown and the little girl multiple times at the school. He's having visions of the little girl. There's some sort of connection there. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to theorize on why. Right, know, oh, okay. I, I mean, fair yeah. enough. But again, I really just think he could have died and it would have been, I think it would have been, it would have added to the sort of tragedy of it. You know what I mean? Like, he's the guy that's figuring it right. all out. You know? Yeah, he's, he's obsessed with serial killers. This kid is... You know, obsessed with finding out more about Art the Clown, like, and the history and the mystery, and mystery of his dad's death. <laughs> he's like uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Combs in fucking the Frighteners. The Frighteners. My body is a roadmap of pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's gonna be in the third one. He's gonna be that yeah. guy. <laughs> Interesting. I could see that. If he does, then I'm gonna instantly love the movie because you know that's fan service. So that just ex that that uh, oversteps originality and uniqueness every time. <laughs> I'm totally fucking around. You know, fan service trumps originality and uniqueness uh, to the point of like Heather Langenkamp or Freddy Krueger. This movie has no lack of creativity. Okay, <laughs> I'm it totally standing, fucking around. I'm just it kidding. It may be standing on the shoulders of giants, but it delivers. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not trying to take away from it from that. When I say that, I just mean that I believe that it has the ability to do something its own. In the regard, it's okay to have stuff in a movie that is that, but I just believe it's powerful enough to do so. That's all. Listen, this movie, obviously, it's a love letter to horror movies. Like I said, fans are going to appreciate a lot of the things about it that if you're a horror fan and you are an intricate knowledge of the history of horror and you've seen a lot of horror movies, sure, that there's an extra layer that you can appreciate here. Right. And, I want it and, to go further than that. That's all I'm saying. And I believe that it can. I really, truly believe that it can. I think it, it, I think once he gets, like I said, if he gets that film done with Sam Raimi, I think Sam Raimi sees the passion there and he knows it. And I think once he gets a hold of him, it's going to, it's going to turn him into a whole new filmmaker. And I think it's going to make Terrifier a better movie in the end as well. 
Honestly. Well, I am excited to see where it goes and how he can top what he did in Terrifier 2. You know, I think that he is going to have a lot more resources now, but it's also the bar has been risen. You know, it's tough when you do create such a great movie that the expectations are going to be even higher. A lot of pressure, but I think that I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm not going to immediately say, you know, maybe we'll see three and I won't like it. We'll see. But I have to say this, that the end credits or the mid credits for Terrifier 2 that sets up another sequel is such an amazing scene just on its own. Right. Yeah, I love that. We're in the sanatorium. Let's talk about it. What happens? Yeah, so we have the character of Victoria from the from first film that the they talk about at the beginning she gets and her end. face her face eaten off by Art the Clown uh, we don't really know what her fate is we do know that she's being interviewed um, on a radio show a year later and she's horribly uh, deformed now yeah. from her injuries and she ends up killing the woman who's doing the radio interview and we kind of get a little bit of that at the beginning and end of Terrifier 1 that's kind of reiterated a bit in the middle of Terrifier 2. We see right. Art and the pale girl, little clown girl, watching the news program. But then at the end, mid-credits, what we see is an insane asylum, a sanitarium, and they have Vicky Victoria. Vicky uh, yeah. yeah, she is now there in a padded cell, drawing on the wall in her own blood. A from lot her vagina, that, by the way. From her vagina. From the first movie, a lot of these words, I think, were written um, in the first film. And then... She ends up giving birth to decapitated head of Art the Clown, who thinks <laughs> and nods at the fucking nurse. Yeah. And so we know that this is not the end for Art the Clown. Right. We know that it's going to be a sequel. And I just love that. I did read that, I guess. Terrifier 3 Reborn. In the initial script, the intention was to have Art growing out the back of her head. But when Malignant came out, they ended up scrapping that uh, idea. And I do think that giving birth to the head is even is more way disturbing. Better, I think. It's way more disturbing. Um, it would have been so, interesting yeah. to see them both act the same, but I think it would have made it overcomplicated it to the point where it would have put too much pressure on the actress herself who would be playing the part of that, or they would have made him be the actor of it and then do close-ups of his face all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know how, how that would have played into the third movie if that would have been like a malignant-style thing or right. if that was the, ever the intention. I just think that it was a growth coming out of the head and it would have been just it's crazy know, how like be corn, those great minds think alike in some regard you right. know what I mean? but yeah to see that just brutal mid credits it makes me excited to see how they're going to expand it even further in the future there's still i think a lot of the mythology that was set up that was unexplained which i think was a really good thing i don't think that you know you necessarily need to answer every question that leads to a lot more good sequel fodder to explore in the future. Right. Gives so, you a lot of tools to play with. Right. So I'm excited to see where that's going to go and just what brilliant new off the wall batshit crazy kills they're going to come up with because that's the coolest thing about the terrifier. I think they're going to have multiple is. arts. Oh yeah. You think so? Like, uh, like he's being cloned or something. Or I don't know like, about clone, but I feel like there's going to be multiple at some point somehow. Yeah. Whether she gives birth to another head and it grows into a baby or whatever, <laughs> somehow, maybe I think I feel like that would be a natural progression of some sort is that there's like alternate versions of him or something. You know what I mean? I well, don't know. It's it's, it's it's interesting to think. So he was killed and he was resurrected right. by some sort of demonic force, I'm guessing, and then killed again, decapitated, and then the head is carried away by the little girl. Yeah, transported then, into the belly of the woman. Right, and then winds up in Vicky somehow. 
She gives birth to it. She's gone absolutely out of her goddamn mind. Right. And so it's going to be interesting to see how what they do with Vicky in the third one. I do think I read that they're bringing Sienna back. Maybe they're bringing the brother back and we get to see his death finally. We'll see. But the fact that <laughs> we can uh, only hope we can. I'm just kidding. That it's going to be interesting to see how they use Sienna's character in the future now that she's also died and come back. God, I wish how, I just, how they're going to do that. How, how they're going to use that. And I hope the back. head grows up and just eats Vicky like a praying mantis would with a mating ritual. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like Nightmare on Elm Street 3 with the Caterpillar Freddy. Oh, well, maybe. But it would be interesting to see <laughs> just him taking a bite out of Vicky, you know, like eating her and she's like giving I think herself. that I think that they're like the couple now. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like. Oh, like, like Harley Quinn she, and the Joker. Or maybe something. something like that. Well, you had like art or Vicky loves art or something written on the wall. I'm trying to remember. Right. That's true. There's something like that. So I don't know exactly what they're setting up. It sounds very Joker esque to me. Hey, I can see it. They already got, I think you have he abused the little girl. <laughs> the little girl is like his Robin to his Batman. Now we can get a Harley Quinn or a Batgirl. Uh, you know? Too much, too much, I think. you know. <laughs> like I saw a movie, we, we watched a movie called uh, Once Upon a Time at Christmas where they kind of mimicked the whole Mrs. and Mr. Claus as a Harley Quinn-esque joker-esque sort of uh, killer squad she was more harley quinn and he was more just a killer santa but you you, you get the point you know what i mean he's like the mastermind and that's totally joker-esque so i don't know it, yeah, it was I, cool. I just think that yeah the the possibilities are out there i think that this film just is going to like I said, get expanded and, and the envelope is going to be pushed further. And with the budget, that they're undoubtedly going to have a higher budget for it. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they'll make just as good use of the funds as they did in this <laughs> movie. We'll see. Huh? And I think that's what the fans felt, too. This is why the crowdfunding campaign was so successful. Yeah. Is I think that they see passion that is present in everybody that worked on this. From what I understand, it's a very small group of people. The cinematographer is excellent. You know, I don't know who edited it, but the editing in the film is really good. The individual sequences, especially if you break them down like that bedroom scene, they had to build in that set people hiding in in, in the bed, in the walls. To oh, yeah, with the, the animatronic side. Yeah, and the animatronic and stuff. Yeah, because we and forgot just, to mention she says mom and then her mom right. screams again because she's like, oh, my yeah. God, she's actually alive. The scene is legendary, I think, in the history of horror now. And that's why I think Terrifier 2 earns its spot in the legacy of horror now because of the technical achievement. I mean, we're looking at like the exorcist scene um, with uh, Reagan's head spinning around and some of the animatronics that was used. <laughs> See, at that now time. you're doing it again. You're taking it too I'm just far. saying, I just think that, you know, when you're looking I mean, at it's the nice technical to think aspects about of those films sure. and how those practical effects were pulled off back then, and then what was pulled off in this film, I think, yeah, there's something to be said about being able to really achieve technical uh, master mastery in some of these practical effects. If you've ever noticed, like a, a lot of his kills are all in the light. All of them are. It's like they do it to have it as a spotlight, like he's doing it as a circus event. I can see that. That's a good way to interpret it. Well, I think I think that's pretty much we it. We said for, a lot. Yeah, yeah we, we said, said a lot. lot I mean, uh, I hope you guys enjoy hearing um our opinions i know it got a little i was like man i was getting offended at that top 20 i mean you know, i said listen i'm not trying to knock i know it's a really hard job it really okay? is not easy it is it's not, not it's not an easy it's not job, a science but, either like i don't for have, all the 
fans of yours and the fans of Terrifier that yeah. might have felt like I did, a little scorned, <laughs> that that there, that there can even there, there can even exist a list of twenty movies, let alone ten. Well, that me, Terrifier Two is not on. Let me put it this way: Is it my responsibility to come to their terms, or is it their responsibility no, to make me come to it? Sure. But I agree with this. The one positive thing that came out of that not being on your list is that we could have a better, more in-depth discussion. See, that all a worked full out. episode. So it really all worked out. And literally, when I saw it, I was not even near the, the list, you know, like at the time. But right. I, I definitely, you know, I had my reservations about it and stuff. So, but, you know, I've come around and I, I definitely am rooting for it. I always am rooting As for it. As a franchise, you're, you're rooting for I'm it. I'm rooting for As it in general. I always root for horror movies. Like, I, I you know, some movies I may not resonate with well with and I still want them like I'll find good things about them in the movie like for an example like even in my skinamarink thing I was talking about it's not a movie that a lot of people are going to like you know but I said that that people who are real good at making horror movies still couldn't develop that sort of atmosphere and that sort of from nothing like this kid did right and I said there's things in this movie that those masters could learn a thing or two from just from those scenes and so I think that's the same way with just about any movie. And I'm I, excited I to give it a chance. Things. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited. It's I'm gotten a lot saying, of hype. I'm not trying I'll to hype it, it up to say that I loved it or anything. It's not about that. I, my, my review is very different in this one. It's more just kind of the understanding of it more as a presence in, in, in existing rather than because a lot of people have been tearing it apart. And so I don't want to tear apart film. I want to look at the good aspects of, of movies in general. And that's what I I see the good things in movies that I even score well, five. I think you know? for me personally, I think a movie that taste, takes risks, whether sure. that's leaning into a certain style that hasn't been done or a pacing that's that's not typical or, you know, from what I've seen a little bit about Skidmerink is that it kind of goes into some places that it's more kind of an atmosphere atmospheric. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen it yet. I but saw I so do. many bad movies but, last but, year, but, dude. Oh, my God. From what <laughs> I understand about it is that it does take risks and sure. that's worth checking out because any movie... That's going to try to produce something that is different and new and take take risks like that. That's why I like Terrifier too. Like being this brutal and being this graphic is a big risk. See, here's the thing. Here's what I think about picked up and as a wider audience. What I think about when people say fan service a lot is the movie Death House. Okay, that is a movie that is not good. <laughs> it is not. I don't a very, think I've seen it. It's I not a not great movie, it. and I don't want to get into it. Why? And I'm not trying to say anything mean, but it had all the right people. It was supposed to be the Expendables of horror. And that is the fan service, right? They're shoving that fan service in your face, right? I'm not saying Damien Leon did that. I think they used it too much, more than he did, obviously, clearly. But I think that the the that's the fan service and then the creativity and everything was all there. It's just it didn't did or did not work. To me it makes it makes a lot of sense the way the film was was uh, written the way that it was executed. Sure. I, I, yeah, so not, every movie is not going to be for everybody, but I think that if you're a fan of the horror genre, this is one of those movies that you're not going to want. You should at least check most. out. You should really check it out because it's got a lot of really great stuff that is full of heart. You could tell that the people that made this movie love horror. And yeah, I think that the rewatchability factor for me is super high. I've already watched it like six times. Right. It's one of those movies that... You know, it's like when Psycho Goreman came out, I really liked that movie and wanted to share it with people because it was so fun. And even though the little girl that's the lead is super annoying, like it's it surpasses that because 
It just, it has so much uniqueness to it. And to me, Terrifier 2 plays into some of that same stuff where it's like, this is a movie that it's just like, you really got to experience it in order to believe like what it actually achieves. So uh, see, I'm just a little critical on stuff like that. Like I, I love creativity. I love passion. I love all of that. And, and everyone, I think mostly who makes a movie has all of those things for the most part. There are factories out there that just make movies for no, you know, they don't care. And they just hire people and they put out a movie and they sell it. And it's like, here's your garbage. But I I think for the most part, most people want to make a good film. So yeah, my final thoughts are that this is a movie, Terrifier 2, that if you're a horror fan, you should check it out. I think that uh, we're going to be hearing about Terrifier for years to come. And uh, yeah, it's one of those films that I think is going to stand the test of time. Yeah. And I I just want to thank all of you who have been impregnated. Romantically impregnated by Terrifier to uh, Nick's poems. Uh, well, I hope I hope people can appreciate just my passion for no, the genre, and that this is not <laughs> a lot of it hit a lot of the right notes for me. And it's been a long time since I've felt the way I would about Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and that's awesome. Street. That's what it's all about, man. Just no. getting excited about shit. You know, I mean, what I don't like, I hope you other people like. I'm glad that. Uh, People are enjoying it. I think you're all pieces of shit and go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to thank your viewers, your listeners as well for bearing with me on my, uh, you know. And Nick's had a lot of audio issues on his end. So yeah, a lot of audio issues tonight, but also just your patience with my passion for this particular film and his hatred uh, of my a top 20 i just want i just want people to know that, that hey look i really enjoyed watching all the films on that list i encourage okay. everybody to do so there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of really unique diverse takes on the horror genre on the list which is what i think is the best thing about that list to me was the diversity in the films that are there and uh yeah do i think that most of those, if majority of them are better than Terrifier 2, no. But that's okay. Everyone can have their own opinion. <laughs> I'm glad you know? you've learned from this, Nick. Oh, I have. Oh, I've learned. <laughs> I've learned. Oh, so much, Alex. No, it's really good to have uh, our debates again uh, live and recorded, of course. You know, well, recorded at least. Like I said, most mostly, you know, there's not a lot usually we do agree on in films. So I'm glad, though, well, that you did. we do on certain things. On certain things. Not 100%. I, I, think I, am, I am happy, though, that you gave it a second look. You gave it another watch, and it was a little bit higher point-wise, score-wise, than what you initially thought. And, uh, and yeah, maybe even, you know, down the road, you might, uh, you know, even raise it a little higher. Maybe it'll go regard. lower, though. Who knows? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe next time I'll I'll just despise it. Who knows? Yeah, that, maybe next time we won't be friends because. We did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but because like you know, I, I probably would go out of my way to see half the films on that list. But there's some things to appreciate. Appreciate. Yeah, about it's each, more about just them, trying to know? help people find stuff that they wouldn't normally see. Try things yeah. outside the box. I have never been the type of person who doesn't like all kinds of stuff. I like to, the whole reason I do this podcast is to submerse myself into things that I wouldn't normally watch so I can find good things at the end of the rainbow. Because that's what it's all about, is finding it for everybody else to be able to find their favorite movies. So I'm thankful that you got to share your best, your favorite movie of all time with me today. Absolutely. And like um, I said, you know, we're we're not eye to eye on it, but I yeah. do think that it, it's earned a little bit more respect in your mind compared to when we initially talked about it. So I think I think better. at this point we realize that there is a market 
for uh, Help Me Sentai Pillows of Damien Leon. <laughs> no, of, uh, maybe of Art the Clown. Yeah. Oh, okay, Clown. that too. Yeah, that, there we go. <laughs> Either or. I think I think you can have a reverse, you know, so you can kind of <laughs> change it up, you know, whenever you're feeling saucy, you know? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I, <laughs> I got to give Nick shit because he gave me shit a little bit. So, but Hey, people, people will buy that pillow. I can guarantee you there's a fan base for it. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be having messy bedrooms with it, too. Trust me. Oh, absolutely. And it's going to be a different color. Let's put it that way. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, Nick, do you have any other places that they should follow you or uh, they maybe should uh, listen to your stuff? And uh, You can uh, yeah, check me out. Uh, I got two different YouTube channels. One is the Starship Music and the other is Good Trip Art. And you can find my uh, old, old short horror film, uh, Lucky to Live in America. That's there as well as a bunch of video art and uh all the starship stuff over on the starship page but yeah i appreciate everybody uh and hopefully you'll uh you'll have me back you know yeah of course we'll have you back sometime yeah it went maybe not around the 2020s uh the like top 20s but maybe (laughs) yeah i hey when, when there's another film that comes out that you know we we are so uh we're, I well, I mean, we're not that far apart. Two points is not that far true. apart. But that's for true, us, right. it is. For us, it's very, sure. it's, like, it's a giant fucking canyon apart. like and, uh, a, giant, a giant canyon filled with a uh, wounded fawn and dead stream. <laughs> and a lot of semen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you, Nick, for coming on. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we'll have a, try to have him on in the future sometime when we find something else. I will give you the links to everything that he has down below. Next week, we are going to be doing two movies, one by Alex de la Iglesia, which Nick and I did the uh, last circus of uh, many, many moons ago, uh, which you can find on the Unknown podcast somewhere out there. I'll Another put, life. Yes. Yeah, I'll put a link or something down to that episode below so you can check it out. And uh, we're also going to be watching The Mutants from 2009. So, oh, it's Action Mutante or Action Mutant. Uh, it is an Alex de la Iglesia film. I can't remember the year on that one, but it's it's just came out on Severin 4K. So I'm going to watch that. And we're going to watch The Mutants from 2009, which is going to be a little bit harder to find. But I'll try to post a link somewhere where you can watch it. But other than that, thank you so much, Nick. Thank yeah, you, man, guys. it's been a pleasure. Thanks, listeners. And as always, long live the void.